Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Thursday edition of Sports Call, live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, the host of this show. Today, I've got T.P. Hammock and Brooks Childress on the show with me. As uh, we continue to monitor all things fall practice, including uh, what we believe will be an announcement any moment as Hugh Freeze is currently meeting with the media. We believe that a starting quarterback will be named any second now as we believe Peyton Thorne will be named the starting quarterback for Auburn in their opener against UMass. Again, waiting for official word as Hugh Freeze currently meets with the media. So we'll talk about that, and in the uh, spirit of that, our sports call 5 at 5 will be about Peyton Thorne. We'll do five notable performances from Peyton Thorne in his time at Michigan State. Also coming up on the show today, we're going to re-air that interview we had with head coach of Auburn soccer, Karen Hoppe, as their season will come to a start this evening at the Auburn Soccer Complex. So we're going to re-air that interview in the 4 o'clock hour. Then also in the 5 o'clock hour, we're going to continue to preview all the SEC teams as uh, we're down to three more, and including the top in each of the East and West divisions. So today we'll talk about Alabama and their 2023 season in the 5 o'clock hour. And, of course, all the notes from what Hugh Freeze has to say right now, I can now confirm it is official that Hugh Freeze did just announce Peyton Thorne as the starting quarterback for Auburn against UMass. So we'll break that down here on the show today and other fall camp notes as we continue to progress closer and closer to the season. 16 days away from Auburn football, nine days away from week zero. It is very exciting. It is very near. Again, Ryan Brooks and TP with you on the show today. We'll start with you, Brooks. I hope you've had a good afternoon. I actually know about your afternoon, and you uh, have been very busy this afternoon, and hopefully you can uh, enjoy just talking some sports here over the coming hours, but I hope you are well. Yeah, it's uh, it had a busy afternoon, been a lot of time on the phone, technical stuff working on the behind the scenes here at the station, trying to get some stuff worked out for our uh, Falcons broadcast tomorrow night that you'll hear right here on Tiger 95.9. But yeah, uh, great day, great, uh, great Thursday here on the Plains, very beautiful outside, a little uh, still warm, but not as warm as it has been, so that's a, that's a big relief. And uh, yeah, we keep getting closer and closer to the season. Um, not a shocking move, I, I would say, uh, with Peyton Thorne being named the starting quarterback. But I think it's, uh, you said it earlier, Ryan, I think it's more shocking how early it came that we're still technically in fall camp, have not gotten to game week yet. And he uh, he freezes confident enough to name, uh, haven't even had a second scrimmage. The second scrimmage is on Saturday in, inside Jordan-Hare Stadium. Um, 
And so Hugh Freeze is confident enough to name Peyton Thorne the quarterback. I still think we're probably going to see Robbie Ashford in that UMass game. I think you're going to see both quarterbacks there in that in the UMass game to kick off things off. But you know who's going to be the starter out the gate this year, and so that's that's good. And and you know as you get later in fall camp, it's good. It, it is good to have a starter uh, known because that way you can start working on game stuff with the, the guy that you're going to be uh, you trust as your number one. And so we'll we'll talk more about that, and we'll you know talk more about uh, everything else in the world of sports high school football getting closer I know uh, we've got some listeners around the area that are affiliated with Lee Scott they get their season underway tonight big rivalry matchup to open things up with Chambers Academy tonight up there at, at Lee Scott Academy so uh, I live very close there so I'm sure I'll hear the uh, the band and the fireworks if they have I, I the think dulcet should, tones yeah, of high school football yeah, yeah. so it, it'll it's a uh, it, it's back High school football's back. A lot of uh, jamboree games and inter-squad games going on tomorrow night uh, around the area, and then everything gets kicked off next Thursday with our uh, Beauregard High School Hornets as they take on Selma down at the kickoff classic. Uh, but, you know, we, we, we get closer and closer to football season. It feels so great. It feels awesome. And, uh, yeah, uh, hopefully we have a great day. Uh, can't wait to talk to all our callers and uh, get to get to the, the world of sports call. Absolutely. And then T.P. Hammock. Joining us on the show this afternoon, beginning his rotation, a part of the crew at least once a week. TP, I hope class went well for you today. I know it's going to be a busy semester for you, but really happy to have you on the show this fall, and I hope you're doing well today, sir. Yes, sir. Anytime that I come on the show, it's always a good day. I've been uh, missing being on the show. I had to take a few weeks off, get to do some stuff, get ready for school, and, you know, the first two days of classes are always feeling a little overwhelming, but it was pretty enjoyable today. I uh, got me some lunch, so I'm ready to get get the show on the road. I was a little caught off guard. I knew they'd eventually announce the uh, quarterback starting, or I thought they might just wait, but it seems that Peyton Thorne, who we kind of all thought would uh, was the clubhouse leader for say, we knew that Robbie definitely had a chance, but we all thought it was kind of Thorne's job to lose. And the news dropped uh, just a few minutes ago that he's going to be the starter, so it should be should be interesting. I'm looking forward to hearing what you guys have for your thoughts for this, and uh, looking forward to hearing what our callers have to say. Absolutely. If you want to give us a call today on the Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, one triple eight nine tiger 9 uh, and of course, we have some other segments throughout today, as we always do with birthdays and sports and nightly TV guide at the end. Let's get into this news. Already getting some uh, notable quotes out of the Hugh Freeze presser, which is again going on right now. Obviously, we are not there, uh, as uh, we would be making some some noise in the background if we were. Uh, but uh, we are using some of the great beat reporters here at Auburn, uh, including our friend Justin Ferguson, getting some of these quotes via him. Uh, I've got a quote for you from about Peyton Thorne from Hugh Freeze and for Robbie Asher. So let's start with Peyton Thorne, Auburn head coach Hugh Freeze on QB1. Peyton Thorne, quote, The reason that Peyton is getting the nod is the leadership ability and the understanding of the offense. He's been in some really good battles. He's been more efficient in the decision-making to this point. He also has produced a quote on Robbie Ashford. Auburn head coach Hugh Freeze reiterates he believes Robbie Ashford has, quote, a chance to win games for the Tigers this season, even though he's not the starter. Quote, he might be the most freakish athlete I've had at quarterback. So what do you make of those two comments about Peyton Thorne, who is now the starter, and about Robbie Ashford, who uh, 
I don't know if that's directly telling it, but still seems to be maybe QB2 or at least going to factor into some of the play calling this year. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it, like we said, we, we thought we're going into the opener you were going to see both quarterbacks. I still think that's a possibility. Um, and it, it kind of gives you a hint and nod that there's going to be some Robbie Ashford packages out there. Uh, you're you're going to see him trot on the on the field, maybe some third down situations, some red zone situations, uh, and some uh, in game scenarios. You're going to see Robbie Ashford out there. So I, I, Peyton Thorne is a starter. He is QB one uh, from from Hugh Freeze, but I, I, that does not mean that Robbie Ashford is is done at the quarterback position at Auburn. Uh, not and uh, you could kind of call him like. Call him a, a a a two. You could also, I guess, you know, in situations you call him the one B in in there. And so I, I think that it's it's going to have it, he's going to have some impact on some football games this year. We we knew that. And, you know, Hugh Freeze has talked all camp about how athletic he is. Um, and I think that's it, it's part of the was part of the plan the entire time. It's name one a starter, but there's going to be packages for the other one to come in. And I think that's what this is kind of telling you is that you're you're going to see some Robbie Ashford out there this year for the Tigers. And let me add before I throw it to TP, uh, another another quote from Hugh Freeze just now, quote, on Robbie Ashford, he will always have a package. So I think that's uh, pretty cut and dry right Just there. want to let everybody know, I didn't read that quote when I was giving my, <laughs> my statement. Well, I think, you know, like you were saying, you know, um, like Coach Freeze said, there's always going to be something out there for Robbie. He is just so naturally gifted as an athlete. You know, it'd be a disservice not to have him out there in some capacity on the field or in a package. But from the way that it sounds from the first quote, it sounds like um, the new offense, maybe Robbie struggled to get a grasp of it as much as Peyton Thorne, and maybe that's just the fact that Peyton Thorne has – you know, two years as a starter at Michigan State under his belt. Maybe he was able to grasp that system a little bit better than Robbie. But, you know, they made the call, and I'm happy that they are, that he did say that. So it is kind of like a 1B. So you can always, you will see Robbie Ashford this year. He's just so fast. He's just so explosive, you know. It'll be great to see what packages they have in store with him because, you know, Hugh Freeze is a very creative offensive mind. And you can have a lot of you can have a lot of fun formations with Robbie Ashford in there. So I think it's uh, I think they made the right call and I think it'll be interesting to see where this goes as a whole. And I've got more quotes for you. Quotes and quotes and quotes today. Uh, So this one... uh, Live quoting, not tweeting. Live quoting instead of tweeting. And sometimes, look, we play the press uh, press conference audio for everyone. uh, And obviously, we're not going to have time to turn that around today uh, as it's happening right now. So again, give you the the quotes that are standing out here. There is a quote I want to talk about that's more generalized a little bit later. I'm going to save that for one for later. But this is a quarterback-heavy segment. Here's another one on the quarterbacks from that scrimmage on Saturday, which we talked a lot about and the, and the kind of the quote about Hugh Freeze about having to go back and look at the field. Here is more about that quote. I thought it was Peyton heading into the scrimmage and then during the scrimmage I thought he pressed too much and Robbie had a really good Saturday comparatively. The one thing I note here guys is there was a, a kind of a debate between if Freeze and that quote when he said he needed to go back and look at the film if that was in reference to two versus two and three being tighter because he said he wanted the, the narrow the race down the two uh, from three or if it was about the starting quarterback ba- uh, battle and that seems to make it feel like actually Holden Gurner was always a distant third no matter uh, all the good things that we heard about him coming out of the first couple weeks of fall and that it was actually Astrid that was trying to make a charge on Saturday to try to disrupt 
the thought that Peyton Thorne was the foregone collusion starter. Obviously, we're a few days later, later and Thorne is the starter. Uh, but those comments making it pretty clear that it was Ashford trying to push um, Peyton Thorne for first rather than Gurner pushing Ashford for second. Yeah, and you know, you, you look at it, um, and, and I think a lot of you know, you, you looked at when Peyton Thorne was able to get on campus, and I think when he first got here, people were excited and said that he, you know, he, oh, he could be it. But then there was a lot of contingency that said, well, Robbie Ashford's been in the system a little bit longer. You know, it's still a first year head coach. Um, Robbie Ashford had a spring with Hugh Freeze, but if Peyton Thorne came in and did you know everything you know Hugh Freeze and the staff talked about it how Peyton Thorne was just always blowing up their phones you got a chance to talk can we talk and just trying to grasp this this playbook and everything he put in the work he put in a lot of work in the in the short time that he was here um, and then he he obviously came in and went got on the field in fall camp, uh, grabbed the offense, and it it like the quote says it sounds like pretty quickly Robbie Ashford was the guy that was chasing, uh, even though he had the full spring here. And so you know it, it's it it it's it's interesting that you know from that aspect that Robbie Asher wasn't the one that was being chased since he had the full spring and Peyton Thorne came in and uh, late and was able to jump in but you know you, you it, it feels like you know this is uh this is a, a situation like you said where he had to go back at the film and look at look at it and uh you know and instead of narrowing it down to two I guess he narrowed it down to two by Monday and then today's Thursday so I guess he cut it down to one yeah, I think it was, uh, I guess that's what happened, you know. I mean, that was interesting, though. I mean, I remember all the holding chatter, but it, it did seem it's going to be tough for him to win that job. You know, you face a, a two-year starter in Peyton Thorne, and you face a guy that started a, a good majority of the games last year in Robbie Ashford. So that was always going to be tough for him. But, yeah, it does sound like it was it been narrowed down to two, and that was kind of the rumor. It was earlier this week. It was like it's down to Robbie and Peyton Thorne, but that was – yeah, we kind of all thought it was going to be that, and it looks like today he was ready to, you know, he was ready to let the world know that it's going to be Peyton Thorne. So we will, we will go with his call. And uh, do you want more quotes? I got another sure, one for it. you. Keep this going. one is about Holden Gurner. So Auburn head coach Hughes Freeze. I, I need to slow down speaking sometimes. <laughs> Auburn exciting. head coach Hugh Freeze on a quarterback Holden Gurner. I'm just excited when I can get straight from Hugh Freeze's mouth. So no speculation. Look, we love to speculate and all that sort of thing, but uh, straight from the head coach's mouth. Quote, Holden's the most natural passer of them all. He's still absorbing. There are still some times where he hasn't made the right decision in the RPO game or getting the protection set in the right way, but he's got a great future. I want to remind everyone Holden Gurner is just a redshirt freshman this year. They did. Uh, Auburn did officially redshirt him last year despite him appearing in one game uh so gurner is a redshirt freshman now of course time always will tell in this day of the transfer portal it is almost a foregone conclusion that if you are a quarterback of, of some sort of caliber coming out of high school and you're not playing after the first couple of years with no clear path to do so i just simply cannot guarantee that all those quarterbacks will stay on campus so gurner's future might end up somewhere else this is not me suggesting that i know something or anything like that it's just that obviously if pay Peyton Thorne does work out, and if he does work out to the degree where Auburn's comfortable bringing him back next year, but yet Thorne did not get enough draft prospect to, to leave, you know, you're, you're trying to fit in, ter- in, in terms of a certain window. Like, obviously, if Thor, if Auburn wants Thorne back next year, then Thorne will have had to have been pretty good. Well, if he's really good, then he's going to have an opportunity to go pro. So you're trying to fi- uh, tight it, or, or excuse me, fit it into a tight window. Uh, but 
if that were to happen, then you're blocked for another year uh, if you're whoever is behind. And, of course, you then bring in Walker White at some point next year, and then you have a whole new battle. And, and so, I, again, I'm not trying to project on to a, a Holden Gurner future here. Uh, it's clearly still complimentary uh, by Hugh Freeze, but it seems like, again, RPO game decision-making was behind the other two for Holden Gurner. Yeah, and you know, again, don't want to speculate or anything, but the the thing that goes against Holden Gurner here is he's not a Hugh Freeze guy. Uh, he was he was recruited here by the the last administration. Uh, he he got on campus, and it was uh, you know it was it, it's not the same offense that he was recruited to come into. It's kind of similar, but not really. The Brian Harson and the the. The former staff was more kind of more centered toward pro style, not quite pro style, but a little bit closer to that. And Hugh Freeze is going back to what we saw with more Gus Malzahn, spread the ball, RPO stuff. And I think that's what's playing against uh, Holden Gurner here is he was not recruited here. And then, like you said, Ryan, the the point is is you're having a, a Hugh Freeze guy come in next year that's going to be a freshman Walker White. And so if if Peyton Thorne works out, if Robbie Ashford ends up working out too. Um, that's two quarterbacks, and then you've got a guy that uh, Hugh Freeze has gone out and recruited coming in as the third guy. And so it, it's it's an interesting scenario here for Holden Gurner. Obviously, Hugh Freeze, uh, like you said, complimentary of him, still uh, still sees a lot in him. So he could stick around, but you know it would not shock me uh, if if somewhere down the road here we get a, a, a on three two four seven alert that says uh, Holden Gurner's into the transfer portal. Yeah, not not too soon. But right, like, not like yeah. this season. Yeah, no, Just not like next, you know, not like at six o'clock. No, yeah. no. <laughs> no, we're not insinuating that at all. No, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Yeah, he uh, very complimentary of him. You know, that that's a pretty big uh, that's high praise to say that he's the best passer in the room. You know, even over the starter who is perceived to be more of a pocket passing guy in Peyton Thorne. I mean, he's not totally pocket. He can move, but you know, he, he's got he's known for his arm talent so that's pretty high praise but like you said you know it's to the point where Peyton Thorne is Peyton Thorne if he has a big year I mean yeah he's not seen totally as a you know an NFL guy but you know if he has a big year then yeah he can go on but it's more than likely that he'll probably be back for next next fall so if you're holding you're kind of in that hard spot and like Brooks said you know Hugh Freeze is more of an RPO guy and that's you know that's tough and he can't it seems that he struggled to handle those RPOs so if it comes time whenever the season's over and we're getting around January or you know, late December, we could see Mr. Gurner uh, hit the portal, which, I mean, he's a very talented player, and someone's going to be really happy if they are able to land him, if he enters the portal, of course. But it seems that Thorne's going to have the job for this year and potentially next year. So we're going to take our first break of the show right now, but on the other side, I've got more quotes. <laughs> uh, this time about the wide receiver room. Uh, Hugh Freeze was asked to tell about how many wide receivers he felt comfortable with right now. We'll tell you the answer to that and more next. Another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. 
I'm Jeff Whitaker Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Thursday afternoon. Right now, still going on is a Hugh Freeze press conference in which he has named Peyton Thorne the starting quarterback for Auburn here in 2023, at least for the UMass game. Uh, Also noting that nothing will change between now and then. That he will be the starter. He will get first-team reps. Another one we're not going to talk about, but another quarterback quote that came in was that Robbie Ashford will be getting the majority of second-team reps with a little Gurner sprinkled in there. So, again, I think that's that's confirmation that Ashford is the number two guy right now. And, again, there will be a package for him, according to Hugh Freeze. But also, we've talked a lot this week about wide receivers, the options for the quarterbacks to throw to. Auburn head coach Hugh Freeze asked which receivers he feels comfortable about in the rotation right now. Here is who he named. Jay Fair, Omari Kelly, Javarius Johnson, Shane Hooks, Camden Brown, Jair Shorter, Nick Marner, Caleb Burton. Those are the eight wide receivers that were named by Coach Hugh Freeze. You know, it's always possible to forget a name if you're thinking about it. But those were the eight receivers he named that you've got to feel like have to be uh, leading the way right now. Yeah, I think um, I'm really interested to see. You named uh, two transfers that I'm really high on, and Hooks and Burton. And I I followed a lot of uh, Caleb Burton whenever he was in high school. He, was, he got ranked as high as the number nine player in the nation, and he broke his ankle his senior year. Went up to Ohio State, didn't get much playing time. And then he came here. I think he's going to be a stud whenever it comes set all said and done. And Hooks is also just – he has something that coaches will all tell you you cannot coach. That is size. He is a big body receiver. And I love to see that because we need more of those at Auburn. That seemed to be the – you know, with Gus, I mean, he had Duke Williams, but we never really had a, a physical presence. I think he can be that. And so I think the receiving room's going to be – I don't think it gets talked about enough, but they recruited that really well. And it looks like, you know, there's some returning players there like Omari Kelly and Javarius Johnson. But I think that's going to be one of the best rooms for Auburn this year. And they did a great job of overhauling that. It looks like the two most notable names that were left off of there were Malcolm Johnson Jr. and Coy Moore. Uh, Again, I want to, you know, say that this is possible when you're trying to think of your receivers that, Okay, you could have forgot one, but if this for the sake of the argument we say he did not, and it is those eight that he named again, Jay Fair, Omari Kelly, Javarius Johnson, Shane Hooks, Camden Brown, Jair Shorter, Nick Marner, Caleb Burton. I mean, it stands to reason, look, that is eight wide receivers. You're not going to put normally more than four out there at one time. Even that is not the most common package, and, and therefore – Look, you really can't play many more than that, and and you're probably still going to be sticking to mainly five, six, maybe seven 
uh, at top. So it would stand to reason that Coy Moore, someone who played a good bit last year, uh, maybe out of the rotation, also Malcolm Johnson Jr., who played a little bit uh, out of the rotation there. And again, a some returning guys for sure, but again, the 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 new guys are the guys that have intrigued me. The uh, catch radius it appears that Shane Hooks has. The fact that Nick Marner's six six. Look, I, I don't know how he is as a, a route runner in, in some of the little things. I just know that six six is hard to teach if you can move a little bit. Uh, that could be a, a good situational player for you. And then a lot of high remarks uh, about Caleb Burton transferring from Ohio State and, and even Jair Shorter, I mean, the 600-yard receiver uh, last year. Uh, and, and so I, I think that all of that, I, I just think I'm, – I'm not sure that you, you have one go-to guy out of that group, but I feel pretty good about better options than what Auburn had Last year, the other thing wanted to mention about wide receivers is Hugh Freeze was brought to his attention. Uh, I'm not sure that he was aware of it. It was brought to his attention that the last time that there was a 1,000 yard receiver for Auburn was 1999, and before that was 1970. And Terry Beasley. There's only been two in Auburn history, and that caught Hugh Freeze a little bit off guard. Off guard, and he was a little bit shocked by it. That uh, again, only two, and a, a very long history there, and so. Uh, he, he talked a little bit about how the recruiting process is going to be kind of how you fix some of that. And, again, that, that uh, it again, is a, not a number that every single school hits because, obviously, in the shorter season, NFL receivers, we talk about, are you a 1,000-yard receiver all the time? Like, that's a very good barometer if you're healthy for a full year, if you're a productive receiver and that sort of thing. Um but in college, with only 12 guaranteed games, look, you have to be averaging 85, 90 yards a game to get there. So it's not something we talk about as much. Uh, but still, to only have two in such a long period of time, it certainly caught Hugh Freeze off guard. But again, mentioning that more so looking towards the future in terms of recruiting, trying to find that next high-profile number one guy at some point. Yeah, and I think uh, uh, part of this, uh, you know, this um, this wide receiver room here, is you've you're named so many guys you got eight guys that you listed off um you're you've got a lot of different guys different abilities there and it's going to test defenses a little bit even if they're not the top line wide receivers uh if they turn out not to be a top line wide receivers that uh you you know you're looking for it's going to test defenses by having so many different guys out there because you got to prepare for all eight of them to be be on the field at some point during the game um and so your your dbs are gonna have to do more the dbs on the other side are gonna have to do more film study have to do, know how to cover all eight guys at uh, the same time uh no matter who who's out there uh at any given time and i think that plays into your offense's hands a little bit that you're able to have a dynamic room uh, a, a diverse room of, of guys that can play the wide receiver position yeah i mean again the fact that you've had two ever and look i know that look if you it's Part of it's about style of offense. If Auburn had an air raid system at some point, then you'd be talking on about that, and you would have more thousand yard receivers, and then then you chalk them up to system receivers, and then they probably don't always go to the NFL anyway. Um, we know that with for a long period of time, it was about the running backs here at Auburn, uh, going all the way back uh, in the seventies and eighties. But of course, even in the, these last two decades, as the passing game became more prevalent around the country, around football, here in the 21st century. I mean, even still, Tommy Tuberville, pro-style guy, plethora of great running backs. 
Uh, Gene Chizik started to open things up, but also from the quarterback run perspective, obviously with Cam. So you had a, a couple year window of opportunity there, uh, but obviously the the end of the Chizik tenure did not go well. And then you had Gus Malzahn come on, uh, which, of course, spread offense, but wanted to hurry up, no huddle, run most often. Uh, and, and so, look, it, it's not, I guess, when you when you flesh it out that way, you can come up with a reason. Uh, and, again, just because you have a 1,000-yard receiver does not mean that you inherently are a great passing attack or, or accomplishing the things you want to accomplish. Obviously, Auburn's had plenty of great years uh, not having 1,000-yard receivers. But that is still something that's going to be talked a lot about because of the quarterback development of Freeze, also the wide receivers recruited by him at Ole Miss, and the fact that one of Auburn's initial big gets here for the 2024 class was the uh, flipping of Perry Thompson uh, from Alabama. So uh, that was something that caught he freeze off guard uh, a little bit to hear that. And, and so, again, trying to work on those quarterback wide receiver relationships. And again, the big story today is uh, Peyton Thorne named as Auburn's starting quarterback. We're going to take our next time out of the show. When we come back, we'll get to birthdays and sports and also go to the Auburn Bank phone line. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. it is to listen to our show all you have to do with your amazon smart device is say alexa play sports call auburn let's get back to sports call on tiger 95.9 feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9 Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and T.P. Hammock with you here on this Thursday afternoon. Again, reacting to the Hugh Freeze press conference, which just concluded a moment ago. Peyton Thorne named the starter for Auburn. Other news and notes about eight wide receivers being named as the guys that are kind of leading the way in that room. Also, Robbie Ashford going to be the second-string quarterback, or at least received the majority of the reps, and that he will, quote, always have a package. Uh, So Ashford's still probably involved in the game plan there, but Peyton Thorne will be starting the UMass game for Auburn. Before we continue on with other things, let's get to today's birthdays and sports. It's time for today's birthdays and sports. All right, Christian Leitner turns 54 today, one of the most famous college basketball players of all time. Leitner played his collegiate career at Duke. Eh. Exactly, where he was a two-time national champion, national college player of the year, ACC player of the year, first-team All-American, and final foremost outstanding player. Selected third overall in the 1992 NBA draft by the Minnesota Timberwolves. He played 13 seasons in the NBA and was an All-Star in 1997. His number 32 is retired by Duke. He played for Nichols School in Buffalo, New York. Go Vikings! Go Vikings! 
Viking to a Blue Devil. Yep. Should have stayed a Viking. Christian Leighton turned 54 <laughs> today. John Gruden turned 60, former Super Bowl champion. Gruden graduated from the University of Dayton. Let's go Flyers. He would then start his coaching career, would eventually land with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There he would go on to win the Super Bowl and leads the Bucs in most wins as a head coach in the organization's history. A short bar to clear. He went on to do a variety of stuff. With the, yes, I just threw my organization under a very large bus. Uh, he went on to do a variety of things with ESPN before returning to coaching with the Raiders. He had a brief stint with Las Vegas, but is now a consultant for the New Orleans Saints. He, he attended Clay High School in South Bend, Indiana. Go! Colonials. Play Colonials. Okay. John Gruden, 60 today. Jorge Posada is 53, former catcher for the New York Yankees. Spent his whole career with the Yankees from 95 to 2011. During that time, he was a five-time All-Star, four-time World Series champion. He was also a five-time Silver Slugger Award winner. He finished his career with 275 homers and over 1,000 RBIs, and his number 20 is retired by the Yankees. So he didn't go to high school, but he went to Calhoun Community College in Decatur, Alabama. Go Warhawks. Hey, look at that. Oh, I did not know that. I didn't know that either. Well, the great Jorge Posada, 53, and went to Community College in Alabama. Very cool. And then Kevin Byard turns 30, current safety for the Tennessee Titans. The Titans selected Byard out of Middle Tennessee. Let's go Raiders. In 2016 in the third round. Of the blue variety, by the way. Yes. So far in his career, he is a two-time first-team All-Pro, two-time Pro Bowler, led the NFL in interceptions in 2017, and has his number 20 retired by Middle Tennessee. He has 627 career tackles and 27 interceptions. He went to Martin Luther King High School in uh, Lithonia, Georgia. Go Lions. Go Lions. Okay, alliteration at least. Lithonia Lions. Oh, no, no, no. That's where he's from. What was the highest high school? Uh, Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King, not alliteration at all. I always hear the city, and I'm like, oh, that makes sense. And I'm like, no, that's not the high school name. I did that uh, yesterday, I believe, too. But Kevin Byard is 30 today, and those are the birthdays in sports. Again, Christian Leitner is 54. John Gruden, 60. Jorge Posada, 53. And Kevin Byard is 30. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9 to join us on the Auburn Bank phone line today. We go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time this afternoon. Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve joins us. Steve, how are you this afternoon? I'm doing good, guys. How are you all y'all doing? I know it's you, Ryan, uh, TP, is that right? And Brooks, yes. And Brooks. Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, thanks for those uh, comments. I'll just read them online. Um, did you guys mention Jay Fair? Yes. Yes. That okay, was in good, the eight. Yep. Uh, yeah, he said the first person he mentioned was Jay Fair. Now, there's a comment here, Grace. Um, uh, guys, I'm t- t- talking about my wife. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I don't know if I'm making too much in it, and I hope you tell me I'm making too much of it. But it's from Freeze. When asked about Rock uh, Ashford, he said the following quotes. We will always have a package if he handles this the right way. Yeah. Does that bother you any that he added that if he handles this the right way? Am I making too much of that? Yeah, I didn't see in the, uh, again, I've been scrolling through, uh, so I didn't see that originally. I didn't see that part of it in the uh, the, the reporting I was seeing. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. if I, I think that's more reference to, if the package is performing well, like, I mean, again, I, I think, th- and I think that would be obvious to some degree too. Like, I don't think that you're always going to have a package if it's always unsuccessful. I think that 
if he's handling the right way, he's talking about reading. Like with anything, with, with the other quarterback stuff, if it's an RPO, I mean, because, again, Ashford's going to be, as a, a guy that used to start, I mean, they're still going to say if he needs to throw a deep ball or run play action out of that package of, of deception, you know, can he still handle that and make the right read and that sort of thing. So I, I don't think that there's too much to read into. I think it just the package needs to perform well. Okay, because I wonder if he's referring to Robbie having an attitude issue. No, I uh, no, I, I don't think that at all. No. Okay. All right. Well, I'm relieved to hear that. Uh, and um, you know, I also read from Nathan King or Jason Caldwell a few uh, days ago uh, about the quarterbacks, and uh, one of the um, those writers said that Holden uh, Gurner was probably the last person to leave Auburn because he loves Auburn. I know if you guys. You had read something similar or heard that about uh, Holden Garner or not? No, I mean, again, like you always love to, to hear stuff like that. I mean, I, I, again, I mentioned earlier in the show that it's just tough for a pretty highly touted quarterback, and he was a force for a guy. I know it wasn't like an elite 11 or anything like that, but still quality recruit two years ago as a four-star guy. Uh, it, it's tough for those guys just to sit their whole careers, and maybe he doesn't. Maybe he works his way up the depth chart for next year or the year after that, but – um, you know, I, I, again, in this age, I'm just not under, I, I'm not going to assume anyone is going to do one thing or the other. I, if this was 10 years ago, I'd say, sure, he's always going to be at Auburn. We'll see if he ever makes the, uh, the, the starting lineup or not. But, uh, you know, I, at this day and age, it, nothing surprises me. And so I don't guarantee people, uh, that are not starting are going to be at schools for three or four years anymore. And would you tell me, uh, would you have any concerns? when he says we're going to have packages for Ashford, because the reason I ask that is, you know, in the past we've had, like, notorious for this, Malzahn had packages, and the opponent's defense uh, knew what to expect. I'm open to seeing it. Um, he is so athletic, and uh, he is not, you know, the, the best thing about him is probably a deep ball from here, here and there. Uh, some of his best throws were down the field. He didn't always read everything well. He had plenty of issues. He did have accuracy issues, all that. I mean, that's what goes into being a 49% passer. Uh, but if there's – I mean, the idea is with package like that, you're going to run most of the time until you have that one really big trick play throw. And I believe Ashford would be capable of executing that. And so I'm open to seeing it. Now, if we go into a couple of different scenarios where – they try it three or four times and only get a couple yards, then it's really not worth it at that point. Or, or we observe that the offense stumbles after they produce that package and that they go out of rhythm, then, again, you've got to be very, very keenly aware of that. But I'm open to trying it because I've witnessed him in the Iron Bowl in several games last year have really dynamic runs uh, and, and really seeing the running lanes like a running back and, and using good vision. So I'm I'm open to trying it, uh, but if they are struggling with it, they do need to get off of it. Okay, thanks. Uh, I'll move on real quickly, guys. I just saw this posted on 247 Sports. Uh, it says that Bruce Pearl's father died. Yes. Uh, yes, very sad. Uh, Bernie, I believe. Uh, Bernie Pearl. Um, uh, yesterday, yep. Uh, yesterday, okay. All right. Uh, moving on real quickly, uh, I know you talked about Karen Hoppe, and uh, I saw where Jason Caldwell said uh, apparently our um, AD and president said, uh, sure, that they're going to do something about the stadium. They're going to build maybe a new stadium. Have you 
Heard that as well? Yeah, that's one of the questions uh, we asked in that interview uh, with Coach Hoppe is because she had referenced that John Cohen, the AD, had actually reached out to her to say that Auburn soccer needed a new stadium. And, you know, usually coaches will go to the AD with that sort of request, not the other way around. So I definitely think the interest is there. I have no idea about timelines or, or what they want to – uh, check uh, check the box in terms of financials and that sort of thing, but I do think it's on the agenda for for John Cohen. Those steel stadiums, guys, <laughs> only in Texas, according to Philip Marshall. Some high school in Texas, I forgot where it was at, is spending thirty three million dollars to have a ten thousand uh, seating stadium for their high school uh, football team. How about that one? Yeah, the the money in high school Texas or high school football in Texas is uh, pretty insane. All right, moving on, guys. About UMass, uh, I caught this from a website called the Berkshire Eagle. Uh, it says UMass coach Don Brown likes where his team is during final week of football, and his quote here to I guess the reporter who's writing this says, "I think we're a lot better than we were a year ago, without question." Well, uh, you, uh, could you be any worse? <laughs> yes, yeah. I mean it's an incredibly low bar to clear, and again, it shows you, Steve, that. Uh, just a- anyone and everyone are going to talk up their team and their players in the fall. I mean, again, you're you're going to hear the good side of everything. I mean, UMass, I still think will be decidedly terrible this year. <laughs> uh, but again, no one's no one's going to approach it and say, you know what, guys, we sucked last year. Probably going to suck again this year. No, you can't you can't have that attitude. <laughs> yeah, I know, so. I know, I know. I just thought I would give you his comment. Now, not so fast, my friends. Uh, and laughing about uh, the UMass game, because uh, I'm, I'm known to do that as well. This comes from Philip Marshall this morning. Uh, and he says, here's why no one should assume that Auburn is going to crush UMass in season opener. And here's examples, guys. In 2013, Gus Malzahn's first game, we barely held on to beat who? Washington State, which finished with a losing record. And we only beat them 31-24. In 1999, Tumberville's first game. Appalachian State probably should have won the game before we finally won 22 to 15. Alright, moving on. In 93, Terry Bowden's first game, we beat Ole Miss barely 16 to 12 and they finished the season 5 and 6. In 81, Pat Dye's first game, we had to fight off TCU to win 24-16 and TCU went on to win only two games that season. Yeah, I, look, with all due respect to Phillip, um, a couple of those opponents are far superior to UMass. Washington State's still a Power 5 program. They might go 4-8, and eight, but I, I promise you a 4-8 Power 5 team still beating this this UMass team. And then Ole Miss for one of the conference games, too. I mean, that's a conference game. It's an SEC game. Right. So, But Appalachian State? Uh, yeah, I mean, Appalachian State, sure, again. But I, I, I'm not going to remember exactly what Appalachian State was that year. Uh, obviously, they just now got the FBS or 25 years ago. No idea what they were. Very new to football. But uh, again, that again, sure. You you might say instead of a 40 or 50 point game, it's 30. I, I mean, sure. But but I, if Auburn only beats UMass by seven points, we're all going to be freaking out in the show the next week. I'll I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I hope that's not the case. Okay, moving on uh, real quickly, guys. You know, the Little League World Series started yesterday. Uh, it did. Yeah, I had a. Yeah. Uh, Good. I can't remember all the winners, but I know that there was a uh, a couple games on in the afternoon that we were watching a little bit of. Yeah, one of the favorites I think is called Media Little. Uh, I the Little League team. Yeah. Uh, anyway, they uh, uh, lost in their uh, first game, but there you know there's 20 uh, teams playing. 
Yeah, they got because they got a whole foreign bracket and they got a U.S. bracket. Right, ten U.S. teams and ten international teams. I said, wow, uh, that would be interesting. I saw the listing of schedule here. All right, moving on, and they're on ESPN, ESPN two apparently. Yes, moving on, guys. You know, if you think you're unlucky, uh, think again. Because in 1957, this is according to the History Channel, foul balls batter an unlucky Philadelphia Phillies fan. On this day in 57, Alice Ross, you may want to know who she is, uh, was had one of the worst days as a spectator. She was uh, apparently uh, with her husband, who uh, was in the sitting in the reporters, if he's a reporter, uh, was struck by a foul ball off the bat of who? Future Hall of Famer Richie Ashburn. Well, they broke her nose. Okay, so they were treating her for that, and then, hold on here, while she's being treated for broken nose, she then has to endure this. Philadelphia's Phyllis star, again, Richie Ashburn, fouls off the very next pitch, hitting her in the leg and breaking it. Oh, ouch. No, no. <laughs> that's uh, that's tough. That? And they were sitting in the press box behind third base dugout, uh, and they were playing the New York Giants, apparently, uh, but apparently her husband uh, was a sports editor for the Philadelphia Bulletin. So um, apparently he was so upset uh, that being Ashburn that he went later on to the hospital to apologize to her. And uh, one of her grandchildren said, Grandma, do you think you could go to an Eagles game and get hit in the face with a football? <laughs> apparently he was an Eagles fan. Now, the odd about uh, later on about this, uh, Ashburn would go down, of course, as one of the most beloved uh, players from, from Philadelphia, um, a team, and uh, then uh, her her son would later become the Phillies' bat boy. Okay. How about that one? Okay, so if you didn't know it, you didn't want to know it, well, you know it now. <laughs> so uh, with that said, guys, hey, thank you for uh, all the time you give me to make nonsense uh, comments here, and uh, I'd like to start a, um, uh, uh, I guess, a blog, or uh, not a blog, but a uh, maybe episode if we could, uh, with your permission, of, I'd like to hear from all the callers and listeners. And that includes Matt, James, Heath, Luke, uh, Anthony, Jeff, about what was it that led to them to becoming a fan of their respective teams. Uh, if we can start that maybe sometime next week, I, and I'll go first. And I want to hear from you guys. What led you to become Auburn fans? All right. Yeah. Now I'll try to I'll try to ask everybody if, as they call in throughout uh, the next couple of weeks. Then I'm just curious as how people came. Uh, to become a fan of their respective teams. I think it'd be interesting just to see how that came about. All right, guys, thanks for your time. I know my time is way, way up. So uh, until tomorrow, uh, I wish you a very safe afternoon and evening. And uh, War Eagle to you all, guys. War Eagle, Steve, appreciate your phone call. That is Retire Ward AM Steve joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Also, as we're about to go to our end of our break here, I want to remind people because I've failed to do so, got so giddy with all the Hugh Freeze quotes uh, to, to go over, uh, that tomorrow's show will be a shortened show. Uh, another Atlanta Falcons preseason game on the horizon. A 4.30 airtime for that tomorrow afternoon right here on Tiger 95.9. So we will be getting off air about 4.15 or 4.20 tomorrow. So uh, again, want to make everyone aware of that. Only about a half a show tomorrow afternoon. But a full show Show today. We take our next time out when we come back. More on Auburn 
football practice in the 4 o'clock hour. Also going to re-air that Karen Hoppe interview as Auburn Soccer takes the pitch for the first time in the regular season tonight. And then a little bit later in the show, of course, we'll have a Sports Call 5 at 5 and a preview of Alabama football. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call, starting right now, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, and Brooks Childers with you here on this Thursday afternoon. We continue to uh, go through the news from Hugh Freeze's presser earlier today that Peyton Thorne is the starting quarterback. Uh, as again, that was a not a shocking revelation. That was what was predicted, but maybe just a little bit ahead of schedule in terms of announcing that. And of course, we'll continue to talk more Auburn fall practice as it comes up, uh, as well as, of course, again, coming up a little bit later this hour, the re-air of that Coach uh, Karen Hoppe interview as Auburn Soccer gets prepared to have their opener tonight. But for now, we go back to the Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the Auburn Bank phone line, Anthony from Auburn. Anthony is with us. Anthony, how are you this afternoon? I'm doing good. And you guys? Doing well. That's great. You know, I'm not surprised he went ahead and named a starter. I mean, you think about it. Once you get into next week, you're about two weeks away from September. Is that correct? Uh, yes, I think we're 17, no, I'm sorry, 16 days away from Auburn's first game. Well, well it's time to go ahead and name a starter and uh, get everybody rally around him and, and, you know, get those first team reps and, and not be worried about, uh, you know, competing for a job or whatnot and just get get in the uh, mindset of getting ready for the first game and see how he does the first, well, the first three games shouldn't be a problem. I guess the real test would be at A&M, but to uh, go ahead and, and get the reps and then find that second guy get the reps he needs, and then I guess everybody else just have to get whatever they can get and, and stay hopeful or whatnot. But, uh, you know, it's, it's right on schedule. They need to just keep on waiting and waiting. I mean, you know, it's just if you – I guess the longer you wait, then that means you may not have a quarterback or either you uh, either got that much talent over there and you can't really decide. But uh, I think it's right on time, and, and they can go ahead and move forward with that. Yeah, I'm just saying from the, the standpoint of we expected the race to get clearly cut from three to two – 
uh, to one, and it was really kind of first thought to be down the two literally just yesterday. Um, and they've got another scrimmage coming up on Saturday. So I was thinking timeline-wise they might announce it after that scrimmage on Saturday, maybe first of next week. So off by a few days. Again, I'm not saying it's it's absolutely shocking, and this is the the result that we did believe would happen. But I just thought it moved a little quicker there than, than potentially it could have. But, I mean, you're right in that obviously the sooner the better. And uh, getting ready for that first game, you got two more weeks until that happens. So, again, it, it certainly doesn't hurt if you know the guy to announce it. But, again, I just thought it went from three to one pretty quickly there. You know, I had been here, and I think I caught uh, somebody talking when y'all was on the air earlier, but uh, stated that he was a better passer. So, clearly, if he's a better passer, then, I mean, you know, I don't I don't know how you're going to be able to keep him on the sideline or keep him back if he's a better passer of the, of the three they got that they're really looking at. I mean, I mean that's just uh, Hugh Freeze going to be throwing that football, and, and that's what you're going to have to have. Yeah, I think uh, so. In reference, uh, he was talking about all three quarterbacks at, at, at certain times, and he was saying that he thought Gurner might be the, the who's going to be the third guy. Gurner might be the the most natural passer, but the the issues with him is that he was not doing well in the RPOs and kind of reading the defense and and making decisions and that sort of thing. That's why that put him uh, behind the other two. But obviously, Thorne would be the better passer between him and and Ashford. Uh, but obviously, we know Ashford's run prowess. Well, you know, that certainly uh, will get you behind if, if you can't, uh, you know, come up to the line and you can't read the defenses and you can't get the offense, uh, make the adjustments to audible or whatnot, or get everybody where they need to be, uh, make sure you run the plays you need to run, then that's going to hurt you. You know, I think I mentioned several years ago talking to y'all that uh, a guy lost his job, not on the field, but in the film room. He was in there uh, watching film and, and making adjustments, and the coach asked him, what do you do in this situation, what do you do here and that, and he couldn't come up with anything, then uh, – you know, that that dad do it. He didn't lose on the field, lost it there. <laughs> so, you know, those things do happen. Yeah, there's a lot of ways to, to lose a job. I don't know if you heard uh, Steve's phone call earlier, Anthony. He uh, is wanting all of our callers, and we're going to oblige when we can. He's wanting all of our callers to state when they became fans of Auburn, Alabama, Georgia, whoever they're a fan of, and he's going to give his story uh, oh, coming really? up in a few days. When, <laughs> when did you become an Alabama fan? I was in about the third grade. I remember one Sunday I was uh, back in the 70s. They used to have those big flow model TVs, they called it, big consoles, but it, most people call them flow models. And I was sitting there watching that thing. My mama had just got cable or whatnot, and uh, the Bad Bryant show was on. And this was bigger, larger-than-life figure there. I mean, he, the way he carried himself, uh, he sat there and talked, and it seemed like he had command of that room. I mean, like he was the president of the country or something, uh, or whatnot, and the way and the respect that he got from the uh, host of the show, and and from watching that show, you know, he didn't beat somebody, didn't beat the bejesus out of somebody. And, you know, uh, he gave credit to the staff and the players and the fans, and then I think as they was watching the review there, and somebody missed a block, and he said, "Oh, I didn't do a good job coaching there. I, I got to do better." This and that, and they didn't beat somebody uh, to death or whatnot. And just from watching that, I, you know, I began to uh, watch Alabama football. And at that time, you know, you only had about maybe two games. At that time, you didn't have two games of Saturday. ABC would have their game of the week. And then, of course, the Fighting Irish would play on uh, NBC. And, um, you know, you at least get a chance to catch Alabama probably maybe three times that year, maybe more, most likely three during the regular season, then get the bowl game or whatnot. But as I began to watch those reviews every every week, and, 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 and you know, you got Denny Chimes and, you got the chimes in the background as the show was coming on. They playing the music, and you talk about all the legends and, and players they had to come through. And then you know, former players they spoke highly of them and and everything. And you know, just from all that, just start watching. And they was winning. And at that time, uh, 
it was towards the late 70s, uh, 78, 79, back-to-back national titles that I got the chance to see on ABC TV around bowl season. And just from there, I started from there and just kept on watching. And as the transition with Ray Perkins came in and whatnot and, and uh, Bill Kerr and all the other coaches and Stallings and just been an Alabama fan ever since. All right, man. Uh, that uh, That's pretty cool there. So way back to the third grade then. Yeah, yeah. Awesome, man. been on board ever since, you know, a lot of years have been good lately with saving been there. I mean, he's pretty much been a renaissance or a rebirth of what Brian did. I guess it's a carbon copy. It's pretty much the same thing. I mean, he did win one more championship, but, you know, if you look at everything, it's pretty much the same thing. Went out and recruited everybody that you wanted and recruited the other players that everybody else wanted and couldn't get and, and just have a, a stable of uh, top-notch talent and just and you bring in the best coaches, assistant coaches that you can possibly bring in. And just keep on winning and winning and winning and uh, just won't ever slow down. It's, it's just pretty much it. Mirror, mirror image of both uh, coaches, to be honest with you. Uh, yeah, obviously uh, the success uh, with both those guys has been uh, off the charts. And, Anthony, one more quick question for you because yeah. I know uh, – I'm sure you know we've been doing our SEC previews in the 5 o'clock hour of all these teams. Today we're right. previewing Alabama, and we know that there's a quarterback race, and we're going to speak to that a little bit. But do you have a, a take on who's going to end up being the starting quarterback at Alabama this year? I'm thinking it's going to be a transfer that they brought in. Uh, Notre Dame, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know the guy's name, but yeah, I think Buckner. he transferred. From, right, yeah. okay. I think I saw, got a chance to see him play last year. I'm not, I think I saw him. Then they played Florida State or they played somebody. It was early in the season. The game came down to the wire. But I think, uh, didn't Florida State pull it off? Or who won? Notre Dame or Florida State? I, I know it was close. Yeah, I'm double-checking that. I know Buckner did not finish the season as starter, though, so he was only right. starter for a few games there, yeah. But I was impressed uh, that particular night when I did get a chance to see him play or whatnot. I think if Alabama is going to uh, have any chance of winning the conference or how about going to Hallelujah Atlanta anywhere, I don't – well, I really, to be honest with you, I don't think it's going to happen this year because uh, they've got to find a man that's going to be the quarterback. I don't know if he can actually be it. And then you got questions in that offensive line. Last year, uh, Texas uh, exposed Alabama and exposed them bad. And we saw when Alabama played Tennessee and other teams throughout the season that uh, that offensive line just hadn't been the same offensive line of, of the past. So that is a big question mark at that offensive line. Uh, you know, uh, running back is going to be a question mark. Uh, you know, last year they had that transfer from Georgia Tech did fairly well. He did pretty good. I mean, they used him as wide receiver some too, and they had another guy. But I'm just not sure if they're going to have that big pounding running game they've had uh in the past or whatnot, and you're coming into a season where you don't have a proven, proven quarterback. I mean, this guy's good and he's talented, but I don't know. I mean, you know, it's just we'll have to see what the offensive line does. We'll have to see uh, what kind of chemistry he got with that offense. Uh, as far as, uh, to my understanding, they're not going to pass as much as they have done in the last three or four years. They want to return to some kind of ground game uh, or whatnot, so we'll see how that works out. But I don't see Alabama winning a national title this year. I would say it'd be nice if we can get to Atlanta. You know, uh, it could be a nine and three or ten and two season. I, I just don't see uh, dominating anybody as far as uh, national titles goes this year, getting the playoffs. Well, I know that Bama LSU game will be very critical for the West, and it is in Tuscaloosa this year. So I know it's neck and neck between those two, but that will that will help the tide there. But I will say this: uh, with Kevin Steele coming in, we'll see what he can do defensively. Because I mean, you know, you got to have defense, offense, and special teams. You put all that together, with fans hollering and crying and coaches come up with the right kind of scheme and you know and everything you never know what kind of season you could possibly have a big play here a big play there a miscue here and a miss 
you there can certainly, we've all seen, can turn a game around in a, uh, in a heartbeat before you can even smile. So we'll see. But right now, I'm just going to be cautious and say a 9-3 and three, uh, type of season. And if anything else, in a better net, just be gravy. We will see, Anthony. Well, we appreciate the phone call today, good sir. Well, thank you, guys, and y'all have a good one. You too. That is Anthony from Auburn joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Appreciate Anthony there for the phone call. Again, as just referenced, going to preview Alabama uh, in the 5 o'clock hour today. Uh, we're almost down to it. Got Alabama today, Georgia tomorrow, and then Auburn will be uh, next Monday. And Again, next week, we're going to be hitting into – uh, all the Power Five conferences last year that we can say the Power Five conferences and put it in one week of scheduled programming there. So the American uh, Conference is a big conference. I dare you. Wow, wow, yeah. I mean, it's large in terms of geographic scope. Talking about the American, they they did push for Power Six if you remember that. They did. That, that was a big old marketing thing, and then it died in about a week. And so. yeah, they lost. All the teams that made it close, UCF and Cincinnati and Houston, yep. and might lose more if the Pac-12 is able to regenerate a conference or, or have a merger. I, I don't know what's going on there. But, uh, yeah, no. Uh, so Power 5 conferences next week in the previews. We're going to take our first time out of our number two. Back with more Sports Call right after this. On the air, weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LeBoy, Bruce Childress, T.P. Hammock with you here on this Thursday afternoon, talking all things Auburn fall practice after the Hugh Freeze press conference earlier today, which named Peyton Thorne as the starting quarterback. There was one other quote wanted to hit on real quickly, and again, coming up in a few minutes, we will re-air that interview with Auburn head soccer coach Karen Hoppe, previewing the season, which starts tonight at the Auburn Soccer Complex. But one more quote wanted to get to from earlier today. This was in reference, I think, more so to wide receivers than anything, but it was still more broad in the quote today. But recall on Saturday, Hugh Freeze had talked about the wide receivers having a really good week last week and then having a not-so-good scrimmage, not running out breaks and not making great decisions in the option routes and that sort of thing. And today, Hobburn head coach Hugh Freeze did not mince words when talking about some of the effort level during last weekend's scrimmage. Quote, it made me sick. 
I didn't feel like we competed. It felt like we melted under the heat, end quote. Of course, that is, again, via Justin Ferguson, who was covering it at the press conference. Appreciate everything Justin does. Uh, You know, I think that, obviously, effort is something that can be controlled. You can't always control uh, what other players, what kind of plays they're going to make and that sort of thing. And you, But you can always control yourself. That is the number one way to get coaches displeased with you is not giving great effort. That's something that Hugh Freeze had been complimentary of the first week or two of practice, but obviously felt like on Saturday it uh, did not go well in terms of the effort department. And so now we're trying to light a fire under them a little bit as they get through – Again, about the halfway point leading up to the the start of the season here. Yeah, and it's it's important, and, and you know some of that may have been caused by just how warm it's been. You know, you, you get out there and it's just so hot, especially in that stadium. I can I can attest uh, being in that stadium for a, a summer scrimmage, a fall scrimmage. Uh, it, it gets toasty out there. It, it's pretty warm, and so oh, it, you know you wonder if so the heat could have been a little bit of factor there. But you got to power through it. You got to work. You got to put in. You know you you've got to take that next step. Um, I, I don't have a of a uh, have a doubt that this this football team is going to be ready to play here in a few weeks. I think it's just you you reach that point. You, you're reaching that point of fall camp um, that you're just want to hit somebody else that you're you're getting a little not i'm not don't want to use the word complacent but you're getting a little uh getting a little tired of you know going up against yourselves you're, you're ready to get to that first game uh you're, you're just you're tired of doing the same you know the same stuff you're trying to you're, you're you want to go out there and you want to compete against somebody that's not your your teammates so that that may just be where it is um i, I think hugh freeze and the staff is going to do a good job of getting them back on task and get them back uh, to the level that they need in time for the, the foot and first game, and I think the second scrimmage this weekend will probably will help with that. Get the intensity back up, get those competitive juices flowing once again, and uh, you know, especially now that you have a uh, now that you've named a starter, you you look at the guys out there and you say, this is we we got to treat this like a real game now. We've we've got our starting quarterback. Um, this is who you're following. Let's go. And so. Uh, I think that that's really going to help uh, help help going into this next week, uh, next two weeks of uh, fall camp and into the game week. Yeah, I agree with that, especially about you know the feeling of just wanting to hit someone else because you know I played football for a very long time, not not college wise, but you know it just uh, I just know that, and I'm sure they feel the same way where it's just like we're ready to get this going, you know, let's get this road, you know, this show on the road, let's go ahead and play UMass, but you know I feel like it gets to this point at fall camp, yeah. There's still some like little things you can learn and those are very important things in the long run but you know you you're ready today to play UMass I mean I'm sure they wouldn't want to play UMass right now I mean they they could but uh, I think the outcome would be very similar but uh no yeah it's just that you know we always feel like we're the only ones who are ready for the season to start the players are definitely ready for the season to get underway and it's getting here it's getting close it was 16 days so we're yep. looking forward to it. 16 days till Auburn's opener. You've got a relevant game in 14 days with Florida and Utah. Got a few others that night. Uh, you've got nine days until the week zero where USC has their first game. Uh, Vanderbilt has their uh, lack of end zone stadium <laughs> against Hawaii. That's just going to be a running joke all season long. It just simply is. Uh, I just don't know how you can what a mess. drop the ball in the mess. construction to that. <laughs> Degree and again, as we referenced earlier this week, it's gonna make tickets for Auburn fans a little bit harder to come by too, just because you're talking about twenty eight thousand 
seat stadium at that point. We know the alumni base is pretty strong in Nashville for uh, Auburn grads. And, of course, that's still, as we know, as people that took the trip up there for media days, that's still a doable trip. Uh, it's a city people want to go to, so uh, that's not exactly going to be as cheap as you might think it will be uh, for an Auburn and Vanderbilt game uh, at Vanderbilt because of the, the lack of ten to 12 extra thousand seats there in the end zone. Uh, one thing we want to discuss real quickly, and usually this is not quick, but just want to mention <laughs> this uh, before we get to that Karen Hoppe interview, is realignment uh, in, co- uh, in again, college football and in the NCAA. We've pretty much left it alone this week after a couple weeks of hitting it hard. There's just not been as much news. Want to recap what's still going on or kind of update what's going on with the four remaining Pac-12 teams, Cal, Stanford, Washington State, Oregon State, and the various options for them still as they continue to reshape college athletics. The ACC is is still trying to push through Cal and Stanford. Um, There could be more convening of the minds in the next 24 to 48 hours. There could be one last push to try to get those two teams in the league. Um, And the thought is that if Stanford and Cal, particularly Stanford, offered to take decreased payments due to the excessively large endowment Stanford has in university, that they could forfeit some of their payment. Uh, and, and allow that to go up with the other teams because apparently there is a clause that if the ACC adds value, adds teams, that will increase the numbers a little bit of the contract, which could, again, therefore get teams paid a little bit more. If, they'll, if they're willing to do that, maybe that moves the needle for the four teams that are allegedly not going to vote uh, for their arrivals, and that being Florida State, Clemson, North Carolina, and North Carolina State which, again, are ironically probably the top four, at least four of the top five or six most attractive candidates to leave the ACC or most valuable programs for other conferences to be interested in if the ACC were to to have problems, and yet they're the ones holding this up. So I think you could probably influence them with money. It's at least possible uh, that that can happen. Again, the, the concept of this to be clear, is patently absurd that teams from the Pacific Coast would be in the Atlantic Coast Conference. But again, I tell you that that's, if I have a favorite conference ranking, like who has that? I don't know, me. I'm a psycho. I don't know. Uh, The ACC is probably my second because of North Carolina and growing up Carolina fan. Again, parents went there. Pretty clear reason why to be a Carolina fan. And so I care about that conference. I don't want it to share the same fate of the Pacific Coast Conference. Uh, Pacific 12 there. Um, So I want whatever's going to keep Florida State from being stupid and trying to go into another league and just think that they own the place in the ACC when Clemson's been owning them and et cetera the last every year, whatever. Um, I want the ACC not to explode or implode. Uh, So I don't know if this makes sense for them or not. I think that creating more value for the league is what's going to keep Florida State and Clemson and how you do that other than just being better – I guess it is to add teams, although Cal and Stanford don't offer a lot on the football field. Stanford had good runs of it. I mean, they've, they've had their runs. They're not always bad. It's not like Duke, where Duke's like, hey, eight and four is nice. That's pretty cool. Stanford's had double-digit win teams. They, they've had it. It's just not in the last six, seven, eight years. But I don't know. Where, what do you think, TP? I know this year we've been talking about all the, the weeks that basically you were out of here, so give your thoughts on on uh, this conference realignment and, 
uh, what what should be next for these four schools and the ACC and all this. So for reference, whenever this all went down, I was recovering from wisdom teeth surgery. So it made my week very entertaining. And I was texting with these guys, of course. But I think it is fascinating. Like, if you are not following this story, it, I would highly recommend it because it is just there's so many twists and turns. I think that's why people talk about it so much because it is truly like it is a soap opera. Like Stanford and Cal are going to join the ACC. I mean, people do look at their football teams, and you are right. Stanford has had a lot more success on the football field than Cal has, but Stanford is, you know, they've fallen off a little bit, but, you know, they they can recruit that Bay Area really well, and Cal is Cal. They bring in a lot of endowment as well, not as much as Stanford, but they do bring value in a way that people may not realize is the Olympic sports because they produce a lot of Olympians, and that is a big deal to those two schools. And if, you know, if this rumor, you know, if the ACC is – going to take a bite on these teams i mean you have condoleezza rice who was vouching for stanford to the acc i mean i think it's gonna be really interesting i think it will take me um you know with the big 10 taking oregon and washington and ucla and usc i was able to you know come to terms with that a lot quicker i feel like this would just be really strange and i saw someone on twitter recommend that instead of the atlantic coastal conference just be the american coastal conference since it's just like that but overall i think it's just really interesting what the pac I guess the Pac-4 is going to do now because, you know, if they don't get that ACC invite, which it, I don't even know what the odds of that are happening anymore because it felt like it was dead, but now it feels like it's it, it could maybe, but it seems unlikely. But I think the pack, just following along what's going to happen to that conference is going to be really interesting because there's been rumors of a Mountain West merger. There's been rumor of an American merger. There's been a rumor of them waiting and getting some Mountain West schools and just chilling. Like It's just going to be really, really fun to follow. Brooks, any other thoughts on the ACC part of this? And I think I've asked you this before, yeah. uh, just to remind the audience, though, just like, do you ultimately want Cal? Like, what do you want to have happen here? Do you want Cal and Stanford to be in the ACC? Do you want there to be a merger? Do you want the Pac-12 to exist or not exist? Like, we just what? What do you want to have happen with these four schools? I want everything to go back to how it was. <laughs> I want it to go back, make it stop. Um, I mean, from a from a business point of view, I, I think that if you're you know, the ACC, you've not been a part of the expansion yet. Uh, I think it's a, I think it's a fine move. Um, I, I think that you go out and get these two teams, you reach the West Coast, you reach a very big market in the West Coast, which is the San Francisco area, um, and you reach two uh, fan bases or two uh, two schools that have a pretty wide fan base. It's like kind of like Notre Dame. You know, no, Notre Dame is uh, alumni all over the country. Stanford, Cal have alumni all over the country in high places, and so you, you're getting those two fan bases to uh, come in. Like you said, you get the two very large endowments into the conference. Um, I think that it, it helps. I think that it, it gets it can get you more money uh, overall for a TV deal. I know the TV deals are mainly driven by football, which Stanford and Cal are not the the bell cows of the uh, the conference uh, over there in the Pac-12 for football. But they they've got other programs that can contribute and and help the ACC grow. Um, yeah, and if the Pac-12 is to is to survive, it's got to be without. Uh, you got to move on from Klivakov, I think. You, you yeah, got to oh, get, yes. get get him yes. out. Go find some fresh blood and then regroup and come back. If if you are able to keep Stanford and Cal, I think that the four the Pac-4 teams need to oust the commissioner. 
coup, if you will, <laughs> perform a coup, yeah. a Napoleonic coup, and then get somebody else in there that can that can help wrangle things in. Because I think the pack the the pack four right now can have uh, can get back to a, a fairly decent conference. They're not going to be a power five again, no. Uh, no. unless you go and poach uh, teams back that have have been poached by other conferences. You're not a power five conference anymore. But you can go out and you can make if you can get better leadership and make gains with some of the Mountain West schools. Um, you you've still got some areas out there that you can go grab. Uh, it's it's just a matter of are are you able to do that? It's a good point about what conferences have actually not been involved in this cycle whatsoever because there's very few of them. Obviously, the SEC, even though they've been one of the lesser involved, but Texas Oklahoma is a very big deal. The Big Ten has become very involved as of late, but obviously USC UCLA was what made it a power powder keg for the for the Pac-12. Um, You've got the Big 12, which saw departures, but then went to the AAC for arrivals, and now also went to the Pac-12 for arrivals. Uh, the Pac-12 has obviously been poached. Um, really, the only conferences to not be really involved are smaller conferences plus the ACC. The Mountain West has not been involved yet. The MAC has not been involved and then the ACC has not been involved. But even the AAC was involved because they got poached. They then took from Conference USA. Conference USA brought some teams up from uh, FCS, uh, like Jacksonville State, for example, which I think that's a week zero matchup, Jacksonville State and UTEP yep. or something like that. It is. Um, and then even the Sun Belt was taking a couple of those Conference USA teams, like Marshall, for example, uh, and Old Dominion, uh, the year before when they started participating in the league this past year. So literally everyone but the Mountain West, MAC, and ACC have been involved in all this realignment stuff with the Mountain West still potentially involved depending on what happens with these other four. So if it if they say they do get involved, then it's just the MAC and the ACC, which are two very different things at the end yeah, of the day. Absolutely. And another thing that I saw was a selling point to some that were was able to lean the ACC towards that is because some uh coaches for like, you know, basketball and football and all that, they uh they were sold on the fact that they believe that they may be able to recruit better in the Bay Area since you have those two schools. But uh if it was up to me, because I know you asked Bruce if you want it to happen or not. You know, just from a pure, like, entertainment standpoint, <laughs> I guess I want it to happen, but, like, from a logistical standpoint where I see, like, a big old map of America and I see the ACC, it will just burn my eyes. But uh, I think it – I like you said, though, that's a really good point about – uh, conferences that haven't had it and will they just take a bite because you know it's just sitting there so and it's one of those stances or on if you're standing still or you're actually falling behind and i think that's florida state's point again i don't really think florida state should be making the ruckus that they are again i i agree that it was a in hindsight a poor deal to make that a 20-year tv rights deal because obviously that's what's the problem here if it was 12 for example, and they're going back to market in like 2028 instead of 2036. Okay, I think that could be more palatable for those teams. But I, again, I think Florida State has a point to say, well, look at all these other conferences strengthening. We're not strengthening. We're not getting weaker because no one's leaving, but we might leave because we're not getting stronger. So it is an interesting debate there. I, I guess to answer my own question, I just want whatever keeps the ACC afloat. If I, I know it's going to be weird as all get out, but if it'll quiet 
Florida State and Clemson down, then fine. Come on, Cal and Stanford. Come on. Whatever. Bring it to me so we don't lose even more conferences. We are out of time for this segment. When we come back, we're going to get a re-air of that Karen Hoppe interview, the Auburn soccer head coach. Again, they have their first match of the season tonight at the Auburn Soccer Complex. So Coach Hoppe, myself, and Brooks will preview that and the 2023 soccer season next. to call into the show send us your thoughts via email you've got mail sports call at the tiger.fm this is former auburn football player danny skutak and you are listening to the abby award-winning sports call auburn Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childers with you. Now, we are pleased to be joined by the head soccer coach of Auburn University, Coach Karen Hoppe. Coach, the time is greatly appreciated. I know opening match, opening week here is coming up shortly. I know it's a very exciting time of year. Hope you're doing well, and we're very thankful for the time today. Hey, I'm doing great, and thanks for having me on the show. It's an exciting time of year for sure. Absolutely. So, Coach, let's get into it. Uh, this year, already got a couple exhibition matches. Uh, what did you see from your team in the, the exhibition matches? As uh, I know one of them has had a, a tremendous amount of weather issues and, and trying to get through all that, but just what have you seen from your team so far in the preseason? You know, um, the one thing we have this year is a really veteran team. We have 12 seniors. So, um, you know, some of them are COVID seniors, some are just four-year seniors, so it's a really big senior class, and, you know, it's a, it's a veteran team. We're a lot, we were able to start coaching them at a little higher level at practice, um, and, you know, that, that you know, level of senior leadership has just really, I think, been a great benefit to our team so far. And coach, when I'm looking at last year's team, I know that there was a a very tough non-conference schedule, some big successes in the non-conference, then getting the SEC play in this conference is always incredibly difficult. And I know that offense at times was not the way you wanted to go. But as you mentioned, a lot of returning players from that team, some of the top goal scorers uh, from last year's team, uh, such as uh, Maddie Simpson and then Anna Haddock, who led an assist. Talk about what those two players in particular can bring as, as you try to create offense this year. Yeah, you know, certainly that's an area we have to be better this year is on offense. And again, returning the players that provided the most amount of scoring for us is really going to help. Um, you know, Simpson's 
just got a unique way to find the goal. Um, she actually scored twice in our South Alabama exhibition. Both were called back for different reasons, but um, shows you that she's picking up right where she left off last year. Um, and then Anna Haddock is just a special player all the way around. And, you know, we really look to her to be the playmaker for our team, you know, both, you know, creating goals for others and scoring opportunities for herself. And those guys are both seniors. So they've been there. They've been in the trenches. They, they know what it takes to score at the highest level. And um, I'm excited to see what they can do this year. Coach, last year you had a lot of uh, of one nil games. We were looking back at some of the results, and that speaks a lot to your goalkeeper, Matty Prohaska. And you know, you, uh, we were reading a stat earlier today. You're bringing back 98 percent of saves from last year. What's it like to have someone on the back end and in the goal uh, like Prohaska for uh, again this year when you're trying to rebuild that offense? Yeah, you know, um, I equate it to returning a four year starting quarterback. You know, that experience with goalkeepers is the most important thing. They need, goalkeepers need games um, to really be experienced and play at a high level. And, you know, having her back as a four-year starter in goal is really key to anchoring our defense. Um, and it gives us a lot of confidence. Like you said, you know, we, um, you know, had a great defense last year. And, you know, it was the second best, statistically, the second best defense in program history. Um, and obviously they have Maddie back to lead that group. Um, gives us a lot of confidence. I don't think we need to score a lot of goals to win games. We certainly have to score some, uh, but our defense is going to take care of our business in the back for sure. Coach, how do you operate, and this is something I always want to ask coaches because they always have different thoughts and feelings about it. When you see preseason polls and you see projections and that sort of thing, I know Auburn was picked 10th in the SEC. Obviously, the SEC, as it is in really every sport, is a tremendous conference and no different in soccer. Do you do you even look at those polls? Do you use them as motivations? How do you treat the preseason stuff like that? You know, it's, it is tricky because, uh, you know, it's just a guess and obviously largely based on the previous year. Um, but I think our team will use it as motivation for sure. I mean, we are better than 10th in, in the league, and we should be better um, than 10th in the league. And I think they'll um, use it as some motivation. I hope they have a little chip on their shoulder when we start SEC play because of it, um, because we'll just play even harder um, knowing that we've got something to prove. Coach, looking at your schedule this year, you got a couple long road trips ahead of you. One up to the state of New York, and then you've got the one where you you kind of flip through West Virginia, Columbus, Ohio, then end up in Starkville. What does that uh, type of uh, schedule put on for a team? Yeah, it's a it's a bear of a schedule for sure. Um, the Syracuse trip was actually supposed to be in 2020, and we all know what happened then. So we owed them the game and and rescheduled. Um, that one when we already had the West Virginia trip. So, you know, it, it's it's a tough challenge for sure. Playing on the road anywhere is hard, um, but it'll be good experience for our team. You know, if we want to win at the highest level, we've got to find a way to win on the road. Um, so I think those are two really important games, Syracuse and Army. And then, as you mentioned, uh, we got a week at home, and then we come back and go to West Virginia and Ohio State. We actually have uh, a little connection there. The West Virginia head coach – her daughter is on our team, Sammy Brown, who's wow. a senior. So that's kind of taking Sammy home. And then actually Maddie Prohaska and my assistant coach, Nick Flory, are from Ohio. Um, so taking those guys home as well, um, which is always fun. We should have a big Auburn contingent in, in the stands in both places. Um, and they're, they're big games. They're tough games. But listen, playing on the road in the SEC is tough. So these two trips will get us ready for that. 
Coach, on this program all the time, uh, we, we discuss NIL, particularly in the football and basketball world, but I'm curious, educate us, educate our listeners on what NIL means to you with the soccer program, how it affects your program, and just the, the sport of, of women's college soccer. Yeah, it's uh, up and coming, I would say, in soccer, for sure. It's starting to get into uh, the recruiting, and it's one of the questions that we get, and um, we uh, definitely are in a position that we are looking to get more of our players on NIL deals. I think that's going to help us. We are in soccer an equivalency sport, so we're like baseball where our scholarships are all split up. So getting NIL money will really help our, our players even help pay their tuition. So um, I think it's really important. I think it's something we're starting to see in the recruiting battles. And um, it's, I think as the years go on, it's going to be more and more significant in our sport. And coach, I saw something earlier today too. Speaking of these kind of these big uh, issues, obviously NIL's one, but also the facilities race. That's no stranger to any sport out there, especially in this conference. And I read something earlier today where uh, you mentioned that the new athletic director John Cohen actually reached out and talked about a new stadium with you, not the other way around. Is how what did that <laughs> mean? What did that mean to you? And then also, is that what you feel is is the biggest need facilities wise for the program, or is there something else that you've got? in mind just talk about the what's kind of next for the soccer program facilities wise yeah i appreciate that question i'll answer the second part first the stadium hands down our stadium is behind now in the conference um just because it's so old we did build a nice building that we share with track that's you know so we have a nice locker room nice offices but we need a stadium the fan experience um is really important to us the crowd the atmosphere all of that. So we, we really need a stadium. That's next for the program. That's the most important piece. And yeah, it was, uh, really refreshing with a new athletic director and, and the fact that John Cohen's been a, a coach. Obviously, um, he, he gets it. He knows what we deal with, uh, day in, day out as SEC head coaches. And, and he brought it to my attention straight away and said, you know, I know your facility is not big, not good enough. We need to upgrade. Um, you know, obviously it's going to take some time because it's certainly an expensive upgrade. Um, but I was just really appreciative um, to have an athletic director that recognized that instead of me coming trying to convince them that it's not not good enough. So, um, you know, we're excited about this new administration and the direction they're going to take the programs. And coach, uh, I, I just wanted to bring this up. You kind of went viral on TikTok here recently. <laughs> so, can can we expect more from uh, the Karen Hoppe TikTok, or is is this just a one and done thing? You know, I did one in preseason last year, and so they wrote me into one in preseason this year. Uh, Amy Reef, my director of ops, was the choreographer. Um, I did not plan any of it. Uh, truth, truth be told, I didn't even know the TikTok before they wrote me into it. Um, so we'll, you know, we'll see. We'll see. It did go viral. It's still getting some hits. So I'll let this one play out, and then we'll have to decide from there what what's next. Are you keeping an eye on the TikTok trends? Kind of like just looking to see what they may rope you into next, or are you just kind of out of that sphere? You know, I'm not super active on TikTok. Um, my daughter loves it, so I, I keep up to speed with her. Okay. Um, but I did a couple of players wrote me into an old TikTok trend that I did with those guys. Um, last week i think so and we'll see it might might be continue might continue so i would tell fans to stay tuned on tiktok 
talking to Auburn head soccer coach Karen Hoppe today on Sports Call. A couple more for you, Coach, as we preview uh, this season coming up. So we talked about some of the veteran players coming back, both in goal uh, and as forwards. So talk a little bit about some of these new players. What can we expect from uh, some new arrivals, and who are you hoping to kind of break out early in the season? Yeah, we've, we've got a great um, freshman class. We've got one grad transfer, Maddie Lowe, who's going to give us some great depth in the goalkeeping position. And Maddie Lowe's done great. She's pushing for Hoska, which is, you know, what you want. Um, and then our freshman class has been really, really strong. Um, Olivia Woodson would be the one that stands out as far as she started both exhibition matches so far. And, you know, she is a really exciting attacking player. She's lightning fast, um, good on the ball can really stretch defenses. Um, so I think, you know, she is one to watch for sure. But uh, the rest of the freshmen, I think, are going to give us some good minutes and add some depth and, and some youthful energy to our team. And, Coach, opening night just a couple days away, Thursday night, 6.30 at the Auburn Soccer Complex against Sanford. What do you want to see from your team in these opening matches against Sanford and Troy before you have, again, that long road trip to New York? Yeah, well, you know, we talked about the road trip being really tough, but Sanford might be one of, if not the best non-conference team on our schedule. They um, have won, I think their coaches won at least a dozen conference championships, and this might be the best Sanford team they've had yet. They start, majority of their lineup are grad graduate seniors, um, so they're super veteran team, and they, they are tough. So opening night, Thursday at 6.30, we need a big crowd um, because they're going to press us. They're going to play, um, you know, with a fast attack, a counterattack. They're going to be super dangerous, and that that's going to be a really, really tough game for us. You know, it's a tough, tough opener. We're throwing these this veteran team right into the fire on game one, um, and then turn around and play Troy on Sunday. You know, another in-state rival. We know that's going to be a tough game. I think they're one of the top teams picked to win their conference this year. So it, it's a tough in-state opening weekend, and we'd love to have a big crowd um, to help get us off on the right foot. Absolutely. It's the time of year that's very exciting. The fall's coming, and uh, we're very excited for sports to be back and looking forward to seeing the team play out there again starting Thursday night at the Auburn Soccer Complex. Coach Karen Hoppe with us today on Sports Call. Coach, the time's been greatly appreciated. Again, we look forward to seeing your club uh, throughout this fall, and we really appreciate the time today, and uh, we wish you nothing but the best this fall. Hey, thank you both so much. I appreciate it. And War Eagle. War Eagle. That's Coach Karen Hoppe of the Auburn Soccer Club joining us today on Sports Call. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. 
Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Thursday afternoon. About to get into the Sports Call 5 at 5 presented by Southeastern Land Group. Again, before we do, we want to again thank Coach Karen Hopper for joining us earlier this week to preview the Auburn soccer season. And we want to remind you that tomorrow's show will be a shortened show, the Atlanta Falcons pregame coverage for their second preseason game of the year starts at 4.30, so we're going to get off there about 4.15 or 4.20 tomorrow afternoon. Uh, so again, we will only have about a half of a show tomorrow. If you're tuning in this time, you would be hearing Falcons coverage tomorrow. Again, we're the proud affiliate here in East Alabama for the Atlanta Falcons Radio Network. All right, the Sports Call 5 at 5 here this afternoon, presented by Southeastern Land Group. John Harden and Brian Watts are your local land advisors with Southeastern Land Group. Land is always a sound financial investment, but it's also investment in time with your family and friends. And Brian and John can help you find the perfect property for you. If you're looking to sell your land and get maximum exposure to potential buyers, your friends at Southeastern Land Group can also help you with that too. Call John Harden at 334-524-2756 or call Brian Watts at 334-707-4273 or find them at selandgroup.com. Today you heard the news that Peyton Thorne has been announced as the starter for the UMass game for Auburn. So we were thinking today for the Sports Call 5 at 5, we would produce for you five of the top games for Peyton Thorne as he was the two-year starter at Michigan State. So we'll go over five of his best performances as a starter at Michigan State. We lead off with number one. In 2021 against Miami, a road game. Peyton Thorne's kind of first big win at Michigan State. It was like the third game of 2021. He went 18 out of 31, 261 yards, four touchdowns, and zero interceptions. Uh, again, started things off pretty strong in that 2021 year. And so of these five, Sports Call 5 three of those are from 2021, with, again, the first one being a road victory at Miami. Pretty long travel there for Michigan State. But, again, got the victory, 18-31, 261 yards, and four touchdowns. Number two. Also in 2021, a win against Maryland in which – Thorne had another really productive passing game, as has been the case for most of his collegiate career. 22 of 30, 287 yards, four more touchdowns, and one INT. That one was in a home win against Maryland. Number three. Number three was maybe the most impressive win of the season against Penn State in 2021. Thorne was very good. Uh, he had a little bit of an impact in both throwing and running the football that day. He was 19 of 30, 268 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, and then eight carries, 39 yards, and a rushing TD. Again, at times, Thorne moves. We've talked a little bit about his uh, legs, more in terms of just kind of maneuvering the pocket, 
uh, and keeping his eyes down the field, that sort of thing, not really going to do, I think, a lot of design running this year, uh, but can still, as really most quarterbacks in this day and age, at least move the pocket a little bit uh, and, and at least buy some time, even if the design runs are not there. So those three performances from 2021. Then we move on to last year at Michigan State. Number four. This was the only loss I put on the board, but it was a very impressive performance. It was pretty early in the year, and it was against what ended up being a really good Washington team behind Michael Penix last year. There was a high-scoring battle between Thorne and Penix, won by Penix. Uh, But in that loss against Washington, Peyton Thorne went 30 of 42, 323 yards, three touchdowns, and one pick. So, again, a 300-yard passing game, uh, 30 completions in 42 throws, over 70% passer. uh, Really productive game, albeit in a loss against Washington. And last up. Number five. Was a really solid performance in the win over Wisconsin last year. Thorne had kind of just a not overly – Wowing game, but you'd take this every time from a quarterback. 21 of 28, 265 yards, two touchdowns, no turnovers. Uh, so 75% completion percentage there, about 10 yards in attempt, two touchdowns, no picks. Really solid performance from Peyton Thorne last year in their win over Wisconsin. And so that's the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. Five of Peyton Thorne's best performances while at Michigan State. Again, a game against Miami in 2021 game against Maryland at home in 2021 and a win against Penn State in 2021 and then in 2022 a loss against Washington early in the year and then a win against Wisconsin towards the latter part of last season if you're just joining us Peyton Thorne was named the starter earlier today that was reported earlier this morning by the various outlets that that was going to be the case at the three o'clock Hugh Freeze press conference that was confirmed by him also talking a little bit about Robbie Ashford who is going to have a package uh, as long as he continues to be productive in it. And then uh, we'll get the majority of second-team reps, and then Holden Gurner is coming in third. He'll get a few of the second-team reps. Um, but again, guys, for those that did not hear earlier today, this is not the surprising conclusion. This is how we would have handicapped it coming into fall practice that this would be the order it went to finish there was some holding gurner buzz ultimately it does go thorn ashford and gurner uh and with the potential that ashford is going to have some rushing attempts some packages if all things going go according to plan against umass we will see more than just one quarterback because simply it in theory shouldn't be a blowout i think auburn is currently favored by 39 points in that game but nevertheless First-team guy stated in the form of Peyton, for, uh, Peyton Thorne today. Yeah, and I think there was you know there was still a little bit of, oh, maybe Robbie Ashford's going to be that starter going in because he had the full spring there. But it just shows how much, uh, and we heard about it all through fall camp from uh, Coach Freeze and uh, Philip Montgomery, that uh, how much work Peyton Thorne was putting in over the summer. He's constantly texting them, constantly you know asking if he had a moment to sit down, look at this play, look at this play, look at the playbook. And so you know he obviously put in the work and obviously showed something that was uh, that made Hugh Freeze and Philip Montgomery and the offensive staff confident enough to name him the starter after just one scrimmage of fall because you're coming up on the second scrimmage here this weekend, this Saturday. And so you know usually if there's a quarterback battle, you, that second scrimmage is what kind of determines it and they they come out and announce it after the after that week following week after that second scrimmage but 
going into this one. Now you've got more chances to uh, opt to work on game situation opportunities. You you've got a chance to start you know folding the offense to how you want it for this year and. Yeah, it, it's you know it, it's not something that we were shocked. At. Uh, again, like we said earlier, I think it's more shocking of how early it came. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, I think that was an interesting part. Is uh, you know Thorne kind of came late in the transfer process, uh, process, so I was a little concerned if he would be able to know that uh, system by the time it came around August. That was one of my main concerns, as I told my friends and family, was that you know Hugh Freeze runs a pretty pretty complicated offense so it was going to be tough but he came in you know his leadership and his ability to learn that offense was able to get past Robbie who did have the spring but I think it'll be really interesting and like we said though we did think he would be the starter but that you know Robbie will be getting some playing time which is good but overall yeah, I think it's um, I think it's gonna be really interesting, and I look forward to seeing. I, I do think they'll do fine against UMass. I think Robbie will get a lot of playing time, and even Holden. But I think uh, I think that Cal game is gonna be really interesting. Not because I think Cal's gonna be some great team. I think it's just the fact that you travel over twenty five hundred miles to go play. You know, and it's a really long. And those guys have you know a lot of them have never made a trip like that. So it'll be interesting to see that that Pac-12 after dark game in Cal. Yeah, it will be. I mean, again, look, you're always in the balance of do you want a game that's going to catch the national attention, be a big deal, but obviously a game that could put you behind the eight ball if you lose, or do you want a Power 5 that is a little bit lesser, that is more of a uh, a kind of a warm-up to what you're going to face in the SEC. This league obviously speaks for itself. You play – so of the eight conference games you play six seven maybe even all eight in some of your bowl teams uh you play multiple top 25 teams for auburn's case because of playing alabama georgia you play multiple playoff contenders now that lsu's in it you had a third playoff contender i mean the schedule speaks for itself even with a lesser non-conference power five opponent and this comes at a good time we talked to brian matthews earlier this week of Auburn Rivals. Again, if you missed that, check it out in the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. But, you know, he was of the opinion that it was a good thing to have three lesser games before you get to College Station. Look, it is going to be a a complete 180 in difficulty once you get to A&M and then to Georgia from what you were playing. Uh, And unfortunately, the third game of the year, it's not like you're continually warming up and accelerating. That third game of the year is probably even weaker than the first game uh, when it comes to game three being Sanford, game one, UMass. Not a whole lot of difference, but still, at least UMass has the FBS attached to it. But Cal is going to serve as a game that, unfortunately, we're not going to learn. We're not going to be speaking in absolutes after it uh, unless things go horribly wrong. But even with a sizable victory, it's like, okay, great, but beating Cal by three or four touchdowns does not mandate. I now think that they're going to go 10-2, and two. and then if they struggle and win a close one, don't score a lot, what have you, then you start to get concerned about the, the rigorous test of the SEC after that. So I, I do think in year one, though, I, I'm completely good with a – a lesser opponent and you know i just like the different time slot honestly like i'm gonna be kind of uh, I, i'm a night owl so watching a game that matters to me at 9 30 at night is not gonna be a problem for me i know some people are like yes i would love to sleep uh, by that time <laughs> not uh, us not and, us. <laughs> and i understand but yeah not us 
Uh, so I, I appreciate something different. I appreciate the trip to the West Coast. Auburn still has that UCLA matchup that might be a little bit more high profile in a couple of years out in the West Coast. Uh, so if you want to say this is a warm up for that, so this is a warm up for the warm up, um, uh, you can say that. But uh, nevertheless, we will be seeing Peyton Thorne as the starter. We hope to see, we expect to see the other guys in there just because of mop-up time in that UMass and in that Sanford game. But uh, again, Peyton Thorne named uh, starter 16 days before the regular season starts with that game against UMass. We're going to take our first time out of the 5 o'clock hour. When we come back, we'll continue previewing the 14 SEC schools in 14 days with a preview of Alabama football. They were picked first in the West, just slightly over LSU. We previewed LSU earlier this week. We'll preview Alabama coming up next. Sports Call Crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call. Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and T.P. Hammock with you here on this Thursday afternoon. Starting to wind things down in this Thursday edition of the show, but a couple more segments for you. And we now move on to previewing another SEC team. We're almost through all the previews, which makes us much, much closer to the college football season. Today we preview the SEC West favorite Alabama team. Again, tomorrow will be Georgia, and then Monday it will culminate with Auburn as we also start to preview all the Power Five conferences. So for Alabama this year, obviously a lot's going to be started uh, made out of their quarterback race between uh, three different players, all a little bit different, Tyler Buckner, Ty Simpson, and, of course, the quarterback last year that subbed a little bit for Bryce Young, Jalen Milrow. I, 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 that's an interesting race to me. I personally, I don't have a great feel for it. I think you can make arguments for everyone. I heard someone like Greg McElroy, who should be pretty plugged in, kind of put a voucher out there for Ty Simpson. I've heard some Buckner because of the relationship with Tommy Reese coming over from Notre Dame. And I've heard some Milrow because of the familiarity there. Obviously, the running aspect of it is dynamic. It was not absolutely awful throwing the football last year. Like There just wasn't a lot of it. There were some turnovers there, though, uh, in the limited action. So it's a, it's a mixed bag there. I, I For the first time, Alabama has a real decision here, and it's not necessarily going to end up being a great one. That's not meaning 
it can't work out for them well. But I do think this year you're going to see them return to running the ball more uh, with Jace McClellan and Roy Dell Williams. I guess I shouldn't be previewing everybody, uh, everyone's points before uh, throwing it to you guys. But anyway, that quarterback race is going to matter a lot. Guys, how do you see that shaping out? Uh, if you have a, a take there, and then what do you make of what's ahead for Alabama here in 2023? Uh, this feels kind of like the um, the Hurts Tua from a few years ago, but not as extreme, uh, where Nick Saban was yelling at reporters saying, I'm not going to tell you <laughs> who our starting quarterback is. I would not be shocked you roll out there game one against Middle Tennessee and Jalen Milrobe just because he's been there for a couple years. Um, even though you know you're you're bringing in it, this is uh, two new coordinators uh, this year because you you lost uh, Bill O'Brien last year and then uh, uh, gosh what was it? Uh, Golden uh, not Pete Golding Pete, Pete, Pete. Golding uh, left after this last season you're bringing in two new coordinators but you know the the fact that Milrow has been there for a couple years I, I think that he's got a chance to be the game one starter do I think he finishes the year. Um, I don't know. I, I think that there's a lot of momentum for for Buckner uh, coming in, and, and the fact that they added a guy so late uh, show tells you a little bit that Nick Saban and the and the, the offensive side of things, uh, the staff there was not sold on what they had in the room. So you added somebody late, um, and so I, I think that you uh, again. I think Milrow's out there for game one. I, I think you know the Texas game, that second game. Uh, you you could see Milrow in it, but if if it doesn't look good, I, I would not be shocked if Buckner is is the guy that they put in, and then that could be the game that Buckner takes over, and you know is the is the guy for the rest of the year if you're Alabama for the quarterback position. Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting at the quarterback position. I, I actually do think that Milrow is going to be the guy. I just think that he has that game breaking like athleticism, and I I'm surprised you know they haven't named a uh, a starter i read something that said that a lot of people believe that it was supposed to be ty simpson's job to lose but whenever spring ball came around you know they realized that he may not have been ready yet so they went with tyler buckner who had many starts at notre dame but i i do think it's going to be milrow honestly that may be one of the uh, more now uh, it's not a hot take it's just one that some people are saying and some people aren't but yeah i think um I think it's going to be interesting offensively. Like you said, they had some issues at receiver with drops. You know, they were – it was really weird because you could tell that Bryce Young was – you know, he's a magician. But it was just weird. It didn't seem like him and his receivers had that, quite that connection that you were used to. And I, I think it's going to be really interesting to watch the Alabama offense this year. And uh, like you said, um, you got – you don't have much time to prepare. You know, you got Middle Tennessee State. Sure, but then you host Texas, and they seem to be pretty confident this year. So when I look at the quarterback race, I think of it for Alabama as this. The one guy I would not choose is Tyler Buckner. I would not choose him if I'm Alabama. Um, now, if Simpson ends up not being a good passer, that's different. You know, we, we start to reenter the chat here. But Buckner at Notre Dame last year was not good. I mean, let's, let's call it like it was. He was not good. He he played in three games. The Ohio State game, which, I mean, like, fine. You don't have to play well against Ohio State to open the year. That's understandable. He was 10 of 18, 177 yards. Fine, whatever. Didn't kill him. It was okay. But then he was the quarterback in the Marshall game. 
You went 18 to 32, 201 yards, two picks, no touchdowns. That's against really Marshall. Bad. That's really bad. They lost. I mean, and they lost to Marshall. Their season turned around with the other quarterback. I forget his name at the moment. Um, Sloan or something. The they, they went through them. It was, I remember one of them was Drew Pine. But Drew he, Pine. But he Pine. left. Pine, Pine was the main one last yeah. year. Obviously, it'd be Hartman this year from Wake Forest. But right. they, they turned the season around. Like I said, got back into the top 25, played South Carolina in a bowl game. And what's interesting is Buckner then came back and played against South Carolina. And they won that game. I think it was like 41-34. It was a high-scoring game. But Buckner was not particularly good in it. He was 18 of 33, 273 yards, three touchdowns, and three interceptions. So he was a 54% passer that did throw three touchdowns but threw three picks. So last year, in 83 pass attempts, he was 55.5% with three touchdowns and five picks. That's not winning football. If you start throwing three interception games at Alabama, you're not going to last very long, and not in this conference, and even with that team. Uh, And so I don't know if Buckner really has any feather in the cap other than Reese is familiar with him might be more comfortable with him, knows more about him. But I think on the surface level, Buckner would be a mistake for Alabama. And Alabama's not going to know enough to make the make a different decision in time for the Texas game. That is a very important game for them. That is one of the three or four that's at least fathomable they could lose this year. And they have to be ready for that. Obviously, that was a close game for them last year in Austin. And they got through it. And this one's in Tuscaloosa. That'll help. But it's game two. They got Middle Tennessee and then it's Texas. And so um, they won't have had a lot of film on these guys even. Just one game uh, against Middle Tennessee. So I would not go Buckner. I would probably go Milrow unless Simpson is really, really something in practice and really, really uh, just just so much arm talent there and I just have not really seen Simpson I know that he maybe played a few downs last year uh, but he was the number three quarterback behind obviously Milrow and and Bryce Young so he didn't play much so I I would I would lean Milrow if I was Alabama because at least the one thing I do know is he is an awesome runner I mean if he and Robbie Ashford had a runoff that would be (laughs) that would be fascinating I'm not sure who's going to win the throw-off there, but the runoff's going to be great. Um, but I would lean Milrow if I was Alabama. So that begs the question, like, how how concerning is it if you don't like your quarterback situation? Because Alabama's quarterbacks have been awesome for the last several years. I mean, you could even date back to McCarron, who was just running a different system at that time, but McCarron was quite good. Uh, but other than like Jacob Coker, who was just fine, and Blake Sims, who was just fine, I mean, you had a run there where it was obviously uh, Tua uh, or, or Jalen and Tua and Mac Jones and then Bryce Young. I mean, you had a really good, good grouping there. And obviously, Jalen Hurts wasn't awesome at the time. He became much better once he went to Oklahoma and now in the league. But, you know, Hurts was still fine. And, and so you've been used to the last five or six years having elite quarterback play, not only for the conference, but for the country. And so what does it look like if you just have average quarterback play this year? Well, I think the good news is Pete Golding's not there anymore. If you support Alabama, Pete Golding was not very good. Uh, We'll see if he can keep Ole Miss in an average place. And 
for Lane Kiffin offenses, if you just stay average on defense, you'll give yourselves a chance. Uh, that's all Golding needs to be. But he was not great at Alabama. He's probably been the weakest defense coordinator they had the entire time Saban's there. They bring in Kevin Steele, who obviously did not endear himself to Auburn fans with what went down at the very end uh, with Malzahn leaving and, and all that and him trying to position to be the head coach. Uh, fabulous defensive coordinator, though, and did a really good job for Auburn for a number of years. And so if Alabama goes back from falling in the teens and 20s defensively, which they did under Golding, to returning in the top five, you're back to can you just be a run team? Uh, they've, they've got plenty of talent in other places. I mean, again, their running backs are going to be good. Jason McClellan, uh, Roy Dell Williams, I think, is going to be well-received. I mean, Alabama's produced <laughs> infinite amount of running backs, whether they're throwing the ball a lot or not. I mean, Gibbs last year was quite good. They just didn't run it as much as they could have. Um, so they could run more this year, and I think they will. I think they will open. I think they'll take the gears back a little bit on airing it out and opening it up. I think they'll run more. And then, like I said, defensively, if they're, if they're back in the top five, then it's going to be hard to to score on them. You look at the schedule, guys, and I, you know Texas is going to be the big one in the non conference. They do randomly go to South Florida, which is just one of the weirder ones you'll see uh, for a road game. <laughs> Ever. Um, maybe it's just Bama wanting to play in a professional stadium because that's in Raymond James Stadium. I don't Road know. trip to Tampa. Um, and I will be there that weekend, by the way. I'm not going to attend the Bama game. I'd, I'd rather not. I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not, not, I don't need to see You Bama could be push. one of the tens of USF fans there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although I would, I, it, I would show up supporting USF and I would say, I'm going to, I'm going to stay until the game's out of hand. Then I'm going to leave. And so I'd leave after the end of the first quarter. Um, <laughs> but, uh, after that, Bama's got Mississippi schools, Ole Miss, who it's in Tuscaloosa. I know Lane wants it bad. Lane's always going to want it bad against Bama, but I don't know if I see it on the road, especially not when they had their chances at home last year and um, made it close but just didn't make the key plays. Then Mississippi State at A&M, obviously the – East side of things for them is always going to be t- well. I say always gonna, not really. It's about to end <laughs> um, uh, with the divisions, but it's Tennessee, and then they add Kentucky on the road, which you know Kentucky functionally is a solid program, but obviously they have limitations. So, what do you guys think of the schedule? What do you think of the outlook for Alabama when you factor in, like I said, the questions on offense, particularly quarterback? And Anthony brought them up earlier. Maybe offensive line, pass pro a little bit too. Um, and but then de- defensively, going from they even with Golding, they were still a good defense. They just weren't elite like they had been like every other year that Saban's been there. What are the chances they go back from from good or very good to elite again too? Every when it, you know I look at it and what I like to go back to is Jacob Coker won a national championship at Alabama. That's every time you you know there's a quarterback question at Alabama. That's what I always go back to is, well, Jacob Coker won a national championship. Should he have? Probably not. As a quarterback himself, as a skilled, no. Uh, but I you know you just have faith in in what Nick Saban's been able to do at Alabama these last few years. I think the biggest thing for Alabama this year is your three biggest games: Texas, Tennessee, and LSU. You get to play them in the confines of Bryant Denny Stadium, uh, and and you also get a bye week in between Tennessee and LSU there. Uh, so you get to play one of your toughest opponents of the year in Tennessee. 
you get to rest for a week, and then you get to play another one of your tough opponents in LSU, both at home, uh, and that's smack dab in the middle of a three-game homestand with Arkansas, Tennessee, and LSU there. And so I, I think that's very favorable. Your toughest road <coughs> matchup is potentially that A&M team, if A&M bounces back and looks better and does what we think they, they're capable of doing. If not, what is their, their toughest road game? Auburn? Oh, oh, 100%. Kentucky? No, I would I would say it's Auburn but, period. But, yeah. you know, those are two, those are games that are that are very winnable for this Alabama team. Um I would not be shocked if they I, I would not be shocked if they run the table, but I would also not be shocked if they they came out of here with one of those losses because even if one of the big one of the three big teams knocking them off I don't think Texas will just because you mentioned it uh, the other day Ryan when we were talking about um, I, I think we were talking about LSU and uh, Starkeesian came up um, and it was you just you just don't know you know that Quinn Ewers is a talented quarterback you know Arch Manning's a talented quarterback if it was if they threw him out there in this game but. It was, you know, you just don't know. You, you just it, sometimes it, you you can see the offensive brilliance there, and sometimes it's it, it you're just like what what's happening. And so I don't think Texas does it. I think their first chance for a, a loss, a, you know, if Texas A&M is is who they could be, maybe that game. But the Tennessee LSU game, and the Tennessee game, and the LSU games are their first chances for a loss. I don't know if uh, I don't know if they lose both of those. I think they drop. I, I think there's a chance they drop one of them. Um, possibly that that Tennessee game just because you you're you know you play so many games before you hit that bye week, uh, and Tennessee's got the taste of blood in their mouth now. They're like, oh, we want more of this. We loved beating Bama last year. Well, let's do it again. Um, and and I just think that offense that uh, that uh, why do I forget coaches' names? Um, Josh Heupel has uh, going for uh, Tennessee right now. Is very high powered. If if their if their quarterback position, if um, if, if they can get that uh, nailed down, uh, I, I think that they're going to have they're going to have probably the best opportunity on the schedule to beat Alabama. Um, but again, would not be shocked if they run the table. Would not be shocked if they they lose two games. If they lose both that LSU and that Tennessee game, uh, but it it's it's going to be another big year for Alabama. They're, they, I think they've got even with with their their questions at quarterback. I think they've got enough offensive talent at the wide receiver position and the running back position that they're going to step up and 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 have a have a pretty decent year. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. All their um, hard games are at Bryant Denny. Here's a stat for you guys, dear listeners: since mm-hmm. 2013, they are 66 and two in Bryant Denny. So you're telling me they're going to lose to a rebuilding Tennessee team or? At Bryant Denny, after they just lost, no, I, I do not see that. I think they got a big break and having a lot of these games at home, like Texas and also Ole Miss and Tennessee and LSU, they're all at home. So they've only lost two games at home since 2013. You know that that's it's very rare for them to lose. I mean, they haven't lost at home since 2019, for reference. So I know you know that's history; it's the past. We're okay in the present, but. Honestly, I, I do think they're going to run the table. I think this is going to – I think a lot of people, like you said, you know, if Jacob Coker can win a national championship with Alabama. But I think I think a lot – I think Jalen Milrose, will, you know, he has a, he's a little bit more talented than Mr. Coker. But overall, I think what's going to carry them this year is going to be their defense. I think Kevin Seale is going to have them really good. They have a lot of talent on this roster. Like Dallas Turner is going to be a top-ten pick. You have – 
Malachi Moore, he's going to be a first-round pick. you got some young guys. you got Kool-Aid McKinstry. He's also going to be a first-round pick. I mean, I know Alabama farms, or they, they have a lot of first-round picks go, and that's no big surprise. But I think they're going to – I think they may get carried by this defense, honestly. I think they're going to be really good. And I I do believe that Kevin Seals going to have them back into where they want to be, where they're not giving up, uh, you know, 52 to Tennessee – and so, I overall though, like I said though, I think it's a very favorable schedule for Alabama. I know it's not the easiest; it's not as easy as they've had in some years with Texas being on the schedule. But overall, you have a really good, you have a really good uh, chance to do it just because you have a lot of home games. But yeah, uh, the hardest away games at Auburn. I, I don't think that's much in question because I remember not too long ago. I think it was yesterday. Um, someone brought up a good point in here that at Kentucky but Kentucky whenever they face some of those top teams they, you know they kind of fold whenever they have those athlete whenever they're kind of out athleticism it just feels like Kentucky just can't really do much and it sucks but it's just it's just how it's been these past few years but yeah I, I'm I'm pretty high on Alabama as as painful as that makes mm-hmm. as as painful as that is to say but yeah so I think it will be I think they will I Here's a hot take. I think they'll be undefeated going into Auburn. So, Okay. Uh, the thing with Alabama has been that they've only had, I think, two undefeated regular seasons in all this. All their titles, uh, all that, SEC and, and NCAA, usually still comes with a loss. So do I think Alabama wins the West? Yes, because I did pick that in Nashville – uh, I think they will get the game that they will really need to have, which is the LSU game. But history still says that Alabama will lose once. Uh, now, to pick that before the year is always very difficult. Me and a buddy of mine from from high school that uh, he, attend, he attended Alabama, uh, we talk every year and do our predictions and that sort of thing, and we always agree. We just put like a pot of three or four teams out there and say one of these surely will be – the loss. They were going to lose one. We just don't know which one it is. And then the key is not losing more than one. And then they're still in the title game, still in the playoffs, and and that sort of thing. So out of that pot for me, Texas, I'll put Texas A&M in there, Tennessee, LSU, and Auburn. Out of those five, I think they'll lose one. I can't commit myself to one. Uh, I do believe that Auburn is the toughest road game. A&M might be better than Auburn this year, I, and that's I projected that to be the case just barely. Um, it's a matter of opinion there. But I think either way, Auburn's a tougher road game because it's the Iron Bowl, and it means so much. And you look at all the home Iron Bowls here of recent history, there's just not many games where Alabama <laughs> just dominates Auburn. Um, 2021... There was a wide chasm between the teams. And Auburn should have won. And should doesn't count. They didn't win. Alabama did win. But if you change one thing about that game in four or five different plays, Auburn wins. And that was a very good Alabama team that still went to the title that year and, and ended up losing to Georgia. And yet Auburn with Brian Harson should have won that Iron Bowl. Uh, 2019, Auburn did win. 2017, Auburn did win. 2015, another wide chasm between the schools. Like, wide chasm. And yet, it was 19-13 with Auburn having the ball around midfield in the start of the fourth quarter. 
and and Jeremy Johnson and everything in that game. Um, and yet Auburn was possessing the ball with the chance to take a lead in fourth quarter. And Derrick Henry, Heisman, all that. 2013, Auburn wins. And so 2011, I think it was like 24 to 14 in the third, and then Auburn pulled away. But I'm just going, keep going. I mean, want to get 2009. You know, if you keep going. Uh, Auburn uh, with Chris Todd took a late lead. Led that multiple times in that game. I remember like a double reverse to Zachary and all that. Auburn leads for a while. Uh, and then uh, Bama has the drive late to go up and, and win. Uh, so all that to say is, yeah, Bama won more of those than they didn't. But you name me the game that Alabama didn't sweat in. Maybe 2011. That would be about it. After I know Auburn ran the kickback to start the second half, make it 24-14. But other than that game, they sweated every single time, no matter what Auburn was or wasn't, no matter what Alabama was. And then obviously you go further back and a bunch of Tommy Tuberville uh, victories back then. So that is the toughest game, road game for Alabama, period. It, it is the Auburn game, no matter what they end up being this year, as long as they're not 4-8. and eight. Um, I, I think, though, Alabama still wins the West because I think they realize the importance of the LSU game. Now, it's been interesting because just because, you know, Bama loses a game in the Tennessee is they're going to crush them next year. Well, that's not been happening to that degree the last couple of years. A&M beat them in, in 2021 and then damn near beat them in 2022. So you look at this year and you think, oh, well, Texas was really close to them. You think they're going to get revenge and beat them pretty badly. Yeah. We'll see. Or something like, again, Tennessee beat them last year. Surely they'll get revenge this year and beat them bad this year. Maybe. But, I again, I, of that pot of teams, that's the pot we're talking about. And I think they do lose one, especially if the quarterback play is not awesome. There might be a game where the quarterback plays a little bit less than seller. Again, my pick is for Bama to win the West, but you can accomplish that 11-1. And... Um, I do think there's the quality of opponent on there. I just think that, uh, as you guys point out, last year a lot of them were on the road. Well, this year a lot of them are at home. Uh, and so it kind of mixes into that. I do think the defense will return to top five status, top three status maybe even, kind of along that Georgia line. I think they'll run the ball more. I think they'll uh, game manage a little bit more if they have to, possess the ball a little bit more, do it a little bit more 2010, 2011, 2012 style. Uh, if they're Alabama, I think that's their recipe this year. I think they understand that with their quarterback situation. But uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, again, Alabama and LSU was a close one last year. Decided the West. I think it'll decide the West again this year. Uh, and they were 1-2 in the preseason media poll by a close margin. I think it'll be a close margin on the football field too. We're going to take our final timeout of the afternoon that was a preview of alabama again georgia coming up tomorrow auburn coming up to conclude things on monday but we now conclude the thursday edition of the show right after this with the nightly tv guide you're listening to sports call on tiger 95.9 You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Now, back to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. 
couple minutes of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, C.P. Hammock with you here. We just chatted about Alabama football for 2023, doing our 14 SEC teams in 14 days preview. Reminder that tomorrow will be a shorter show, a show that will conclude about 4.15 or 4.20 as the Atlanta Falcons pregame coverage will start at 4.30 right here in Tiger 95.9. And again, their second preseason game out of three. So only about a half a show tomorrow, but we will uh, continue on with the previews. We'll have Georgia tomorrow and then culminate with Auburn on Monday as we get into the Power 5 conferences next week as well. Again, final couple minutes of the show. Time for a nightly TV guide to wrap things up. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide, presented by White Claw Heart Seltzer. Brooks, what do we have? Well, it's a little light tonight, so here's a couple movie picks for your evening. 6 o'clock on FX, your Marvel fix of the evening. The Avengers, the original one from 2014, I believe was the year. Uh, All your favorite superheroes unite to save the world from aliens. One of the many threats the world sees often. I'm watching the Alien franchise right now. That's not those though. aliens. Yeah, not those aliens. But close. Those aliens are great, though. <laughs> uh, then They're tough fa- to beat. Yeah. Tough to beat. Your family movie pick for the evening. Follow that up at 6 o'clock on Nickelodeon. It's B-Movie, starring Jerry Seinfeld. Nickelodeon has like four movies they rotate through. and it I'll just, just say, I've heard B-Movie a couple times they, now. They continue to end up on the on the nightly TV guide just because it's your family movie pick for the But evening. it's a great movie. It's a, it's a cult classic is what I'll call it. <laughs> it's, it's a cult classic. Big with the B population, yeah. Um, your sports picks for the evening. Again, like I said, light load tonight at 6 o'clock on ESPN. The Little League World Series continues as the West. Uh, the team from El Segundo, California, takes on the Great Lakes. The team from New Albany, Ohio, up at Laminade Stadium in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. Also at 6 o'clock, if you're looking for the big leagues of baseball, they're on Big Fox tonight. Uh, there was a chance uh, people could have seen the Detroit Tigers play tonight. That game's gotten rained out, so everybody in the country is going to get to see the New York Mets and the St. Louis Cardinals. That is get a th- to? that is a threat, by the way. Yeah, you, I was about you, to say get to or have to. You, you will, yeah. It, it's it's a, it's more of a threat than an invitation. <laughs> uh, Six o'clock on Golf Network. It's USGA Men's Amateur continues on. Three Auburn Tigers have made it through to the round of sixteen, and so some men's golfers in action there tonight. Uh, and it's on the West Coast. And then, of course, 8 o'clock tonight, the Superstar Racing Experience, I believe, wraps up tonight from Lucas Oil Speedway. Kenny Wallace is making another appearance in the SRX Hometown, tonight. Hometown, because this is in uh, St. Louis or around St. Louis. Yeah, yeah. Wheat- Wheatland, Illinois, just right outside of the St. Louis. So yep. it's, a, it's a big uh, wrapping things up. Tony Stewart won last week, broke the, the Kyle Busch streak. Kenny Wallace back in, in, the, uh, in the car this week, and like you said, in his hometown. And so some th- Thursday night thunder back in action tonight the last one of the summer so check it out at eight o'clock on espn and that is our nightly tv guide brought to you by our friends at white claw heart seltzer thank you very much for that brooks and thank you for being here this afternoon we'll see you again in that shortened show tomorrow oh, well, you'll see me and uh thank you very much for being here tp glad i uh, got the first show back on your belt there and uh hope you have a great rest of your week we'll see you again next week thank you it's the last weekend without college football absolutely and we love to hear it And that will do it for the show today. As always, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in. For Brooks Childress and T.P. Hammock, my name is Ryan LeBoy. Have a great Thursday night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.